Good afternoon and good evening. Welcome to the Winner Winner PUBG Podcast. You may have been eagerly awaiting this episode, or you might have no idea what is about to happen, and that is the beauty of the little place we call the internet. Folks, my name is Mike, aka MTB Trigger, and I'll be hosting today with Kev, aka The One Heart. Are you excited for what's about to happen? Dude, are you kidding me? Yes. (laughs) Well, I know I am because I'm as curious about his background. And I'm actually just going to simply introduce him as Brian Corrigan, or as some of you may know him, Gen XP from Twitter. Others may know him as the studio director of our favorite game, PUBG. Brian, welcome to the show. Hey, everybody. How's it going? So. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to be here. <laughs> we, we always laugh because we don't know what anyone's going to say to that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I can come up with something super clever, but how's it going? Sounds pretty good. No, well, it's nice to have you here, man. So before we get started, I've got to tell you a bit of a funny story. And it's really a common theme on the podcast that we share how we met or got introduced to our guests. So Corrigan <laughs> here, he actually tweeted at the podcast with a simple statement. Do you remember the tweet you sent to us? Uh, I don't remember, but I'm a fan. So it was probably like, hey, I love you guys. <laughs> Something like that, right? It was far more generic. And it was... Let's talk next week if you guys have time. So our first reaction was, yes, this is so cool. And then as all gamers do, we dissected every single word (laughs) and we landed on you either wanted to talk to us about cool stuff or that we said something wrong and you're going to destroy us somehow. Yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not a malicious guy, really. So, no, it's mostly um, I'm just a fan. I like what you guys do, and I love the love the show. So, yeah, I was I was thinking there must be some cool way to talk more. I am now a fan as well. I've been following you a lot closer on Twitter, <laughs> and I think I can say on behalf of the entire crew, we're just glad that you just wanted to talk. Yeah, and not kill us, you know. Thanks for having me, for sure. Yeah, I remember Trigger was actually doing some casting for a tournament. I was in a hotel room watching it, and that text comes through, and he's like in the in between games, and I'm like, dude, you got to check Twitter right now. You you won't believe it. And then he gets back to me, he's like, oh my god, I got to keep going into this. Like, what the hell? Yeah, I've been in the receiving end of those too, where you dissect every single thing. But no, I mean, you guys, it's a great show, and um, like I said, I've been a fan for a long time, and you know, I love the way you guys are so good at breaking breaking down the game, and I've always felt like you had a really good feel for the game, even though sometimes we're we're not as good at talking about the game as I think we could be. You guys just seem to kind of have like a really good intuitive grasp of the game. So yeah, you know, getting a chance to talk to you is is as exciting for me as uh, as maybe I guess it is for you. So I'm honored. <laughs> well, thanks. And I very badly want to just jump into PUBG stuff because that's obviously the main reason that we're here talking. But for those that don't know, and probably a little bit for me, I want to know what exactly a studio director is or does. But before we go down that rabbit hole and down the PUBG rabbit hole, can you talk to us a little bit about your background? Like, how did you come up in gaming? I think you have a really cool career story that may benefit some people to understand. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, probably like you guys, I've been playing games since since I can remember. 
And I kind of got started in the industry back in, I guess, kind of the mid 2000s. And I started working, I was actually making casino games at the time. And I don't like gambling and I don't like casinos and I don't like casino games at all. Uh, but it was kind of, you know, when you're young, you take the first job you can as close as close to the gig as, as you want, as you can get, right? So for me, that was kind of my intro to the industry. And I sat there working on these silly casino games and uh, thinking the whole time about how to make better online video games. And so this, this was a long time ago, I hate to say it, it was kind of like right about the time, you know, social, uh, social networks were coming out and things like that. And we were thinking about, you know, wow, all the cool things you could do if you really did a better job bringing games online. I think I was still playing my Xbox One at the time. Not not my Xbox One, my original Xbox at the time. Right. Mid-2000s is like Halo, Halo yeah, 2. I was definitely playing Halo. Counter-Strike. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, you know, I just kind of up and quit this casino gig and said, screw it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find some gig in gaming. There was a local company who was looking for a CTO. I applied for the job and I got it. And when I got there, I come to find out that they had written the back end for a little game that nobody thought was going to be big. And um, the game was Guitar Hero. <laughs> so nobody expected it to be big. And this this company wrote the multiplayer back end. And when it went live, it just started keeling over every single day. They did it as kind of a subcontractor for one of the Activision studios. And they needed somebody who could make make it work. And, you know, all the engineers were were pulling their hair out and working 24 hours a day, as sometimes happens in gaming. And uh, the guy who owned the company said, just please save us. So yeah, I, I had the chance to do that. And I worked for that company for a couple of years. And we took that little sort of system that we built for Guitar Hero, and we kind of made it a little more generic. And we started selling it as a back-end platform for games right about the time that a lot of really big multiplayer games are coming online. So we were the back-end for, just, just to name a couple, Saints Row 3, which is a really fun one to work on. We did some work on several Call of Duty games. Uh, lots of different one massive action game. I don't know if you guys ever played that one, but that was a that was a pretty advanced game at the time. Now, is is MLG the same one that was associated with Counter Strike after a while, or is this a different iteration of that? No, that's so. This company was called Agora Games, and then eventually we ended up uh, selling the company to Major League Gaming, and I was a CTO gotcha. there for three years too. Yeah, and I joined MLG. Another kind of interesting timing. You know, there was no Twitch when I joined MLG. And if you guys ever watched MLG in the early days, you probably remember watching the video stream and then all of a sudden it would crash. <laughs> so they were looking for some technicians to come in and help make the stream more reliable. And so they, they brought our company on. And the idea back then was we would put MLG inside of all, all these different games. So we would use the back end that my company had written. And we would use it to bring MLG tournaments into games. So, I mean, still, like, a pretty cool idea. You know, it's maybe the type of thing that Facet's looking to do nowadays, still. The way you just said that makes me think of, like, Blizzard's Battle.net. Yeah, in a lot of ways, it was kind of like that. The example everybody used was FIFA, and it was maybe 2009 at this time. So FIFA back then would allow third-party companies to create kind of like weekend events and tournaments. And then you could kind of brand them. So they could have, like, the Dr. Pepper... FIFA weekend challenge and actually ours was called the oh man it was like the Dr. Pepper ultimate gaming house or something I don't remember really <laughs> you know uh, I'm not a marketer but uh but yeah so we wrote this type of system and then we the plan was to go put it in all these games but the problem was there was so many problems with the video system that instead of working on this gaming tech that you know was what we loved we kind of got sidetracked on building uh building out an entire video distribution system for MLG so uh ended up kind of spending 2 years building that 
And along the way, we got to work with, you know, this little tiny startup called called Riot that nobody really thought was going to go anywhere back then. <laughs> and we worked with Blizzard broadcasting StarCraft, and we broadcast Call of Duty on the PlayStation with Sony and, and Activision. And then kind of towards the tail end, we started working with Twitch, you know, which again, back then we were like, well, why should we build this if, you know, Justin TV wants to do it for us? Because nobody even called him Twitch back then. And then, you know, they turned into Twitch. So, of course, they're amazing. <laughs> Wow. So that software, so some of that software you guys were working with, was the foundation or just part of it? Yeah, it was the foundation of some of the MLG tech and what en what ended up eventually going to Activision and what they, you know, maybe still use today. I'm sure it's been mostly replaced and upgraded since then. But yeah, all that tech was was pretty foundational stuff. I feel like on my career, I keep ending up in these places where I'm doing the hard thing at the hardest time. And then maybe three years later, all of a sudden, it's super easy. <laughs> you know, somebody comes <laughs> along and makes it way easier. That's been kind of one of the fun things with PUBG is I joined PUBG at a time where we were able to really do some cool stuff. I mean, we will be able to do some cool stuff with the tech that we've built over the years. But yeah, anyway, after after MLG, I started my own studio called Mad Glory, worked at Mad Glory for six years and then ended up joining PUBG. Gotcha. And with Mad Glory, you know, admittedly, we did some LinkedIn diving. <laughs> There's the games we worked on list, right? Yep. And for those of you that don't know, Mad Glory is now owned by PUBG, but they worked on games like Batman Return to Arkham, Doom, Fortnite, uh, <laughs> League of Legends, <laughs> Rocket League, Unreal Engine, like some big, big names. So you said you founded this studio and ultimately got picked up by PUBG, but it sounds like you got to work with monster hits while there too. Yeah, I left MLG after being there for three or four years and it was just... I just wanted to do something different. My idea was I was I was going to get three or four of my buddies that I'd worked with over the years. And we were just going to say, you know, forget it. Let's just pick the games that, we, that we're playing and let's just go work on them. Because it's really fun to work on the games that you're playing, right? You're right. We fell in love with Riot. And I, I remember the day I filed the paperwork with the government to officially make the LLC real or the incorporated company, whatever. <laughs> I think we had Riot as a customer 24 hours later. So that was really great. The problem was I didn't have any nice. employees. So it was just me. So I had to go find them. I had to go find those first few people. Yeah. And then Riot was a customer all the way up until the day that we that we joined PUBG. So I mean, straight all the way through. They, you know, they're great. I just I can't say enough great things about Riot. I absolutely love Riot. But along the way, you know, as companies do, you try to have more than one customer because it's it doesn't sound like a good idea to only have one customer. So yeah, we got to work with a bunch of other people we love too, Bethesda and Super Evil Megacorp. And and again, the whole way through, we just, you know, we'd all be sitting in the office and when you make video games, you have to play video games, right? You can't make a video game if you don't don't play them. So we'd, we'd be sitting around all day and we'd be picking up a cool game and we'd say, hey, sales guy, go sell this company because we want to work with them. <laughs> so the sales guy would go out and figure out a way to get in there and, and we work with them. So that's pretty much how we met, you know, almost everybody. It was just really just people we love. And I mean, you guys are are, are now in the industry. And I, I remember I said this to you the first time we talked, but kind of once you're in, it, it's really just a big family. So, you know, once you know somebody, you can actually almost tell them that you love to work in this other game. And they say, oh, I love that other game too. And I know somebody and you, and you get a great intro and there's a lot of opportunity to to work with different people. So was there ever a game that you guys like sat around and played? Did you ever have that like nervous feeling like, gosh, I hope they say yes, because I really want to work on this game? Is there anything that like, <laughs> was spreading through the office that you guys had to play and had to be working on? Um, I mean, if I'm being honest, every single one. So, <laughs> you know, I know that's a cop out, um, but definitely Riot, you know, in the very beginning, they were kind of like my dream customer. You know, I wanted to work with them so bad. And I mean, I, you know, I had been working with them at MLG because they came to us and we were their broadcast partner for their first couple seasons of, I don't even think it was called LCS back then, but you know, when they were first showing the game off, 
Oh yeah, they did everything internal. I remember it. Freak was doing all the videos and the champion stuff. It, I mean, it was very internal. Oh they yeah, they were doing everything there on their own. Yeah, and I mean, but in the very beginning, it was all us. I mean, you know, there was the first few seasons back when it, you know, was still pretty basic. You know, it was MLG doing it, so that that was a long time ago. But um, yeah, they're just they're a great company and a great culture, and I think everybody who works there takes a lot away. And you know, they've grown and changed a lot over the years. But this was back in 2012 when the company was only three years old. That was when we started working with them and i mean originally at mlg it was it was 2009 so i don't even think the company was a year old or something like that back then it was they're really young um but outside of riot uh psionics is another great company that you know we sort of put on the board and we said we just want to work with these guys because rocket league is just a beautiful game it's a gamer's game it's it's just beautiful. It's architected well. And Psyonix is a, a great game company. They also used to make a lot of games for other people. And this was a passion project for them. It's just a great story, right? Like you love to see somebody who works hard for other people then make this thing their own. And then the thing they make could become such a huge super success. So we did some work with them to help expand the game. I think most of the stuff we did, actually some of it's still not even out yet, even though it's been over almost two years now. But yeah, it's they're just awesome. They're great people. Yeah, I think you find that almost universally in gaming. Everyone's pretty great. You kind of said something there that I want to hit on once we move into PUBG later. You said you did stuff for them that two years later <laughs> still isn't out, right? And I think that's one of the things that like the gamer in me like cringes. Yeah. Like, what? How could it take that long? And what is but it? But then the logical side says... Oh my gosh, it makes sense. Like you can't just knee-jerk react with code, which I know nothing about. And it's something that I I hope to hear more from later. Are there things that you still expect to see that you worked on with Psionics and Rocket League? Yeah, although to be totally honest, I think most of them are probably held up by legal and contracts. It's not an engineering issue for what it's worth. But oh, okay. yeah, there's still there's still stuff we worked on that's not out. One of our last contracts was with Bethesda and you know they have a million great things in the works right now too they're just another super great company obviously i can't talk about it but but uh it's pretty like you said it's frustrating i get it you just can't make something really meaningful in a month i mean it's just too hard to do it now the bar the quality bar is too high now and a lot of these companies where they own and they build 100 percent of their tech as well sometimes you're not only building the game but you're building the tech to build the game so it just takes time yeah that's something that's really hard for a lot of gamers probably because they want something new every week they get tired of a game as soon as they've learned all the little ins and outs. And then they're like, what's next? And for you, you're like, what's next? I just spent two years making this or something. And <laughs> how do you get the gamer to kind of relax a little bit? Maybe play another game. Maybe just enjoy what they have. You know, it's always a fight. Yeah, I think it's a really good point that you just made, actually, because, I mean, as you guys know, there's different types of games, too. There's games that kind of aim to be an online service, like maybe League of Legends or... Or I guess Rocket League, right? Or And then there's games that sort of aim to be this this one-time release with maybe, you know, if we're lucky, because we all want it, a couple DLC packs or something that are good, like, you know, I don't know, Doom or something like that, or Call of Duty. You just have to kind of line up your expectations differently from both games. And I mean, again, I know we're going to get into it later, but that's that's another thing that's been really interesting about the game we're working on now is that, you know, in the beginning, when there was 20 people sitting in a room working on this game... They didn't know it was going to turn into what it did. So, you know, whereas, you know, you work on Rocket League or League of Legends, they had a plan from the beginning, right? So they had that all worked out. So it's it's definitely interesting. Yeah, I think this is the happiest accident of uh, everyone's life is PUBG. <laughs> well, to me, it just feels a lot like Counter-Strike, right? Where Counter-Strike was this little mod that I think it was two guys made off of the original Half-Life. And then it just exploded 
and became this crazy thing. And then they ended up getting bought by Valve or whatever else. And I know it's a newer version of it, but PUBG just sounds and feels like the same thing. You can feel some of the Counter-Strike spirit in PUBG. And I know, you know, a lot of the people who work here are, are Counter-Strike fans. That's another thing, you know, if you if you haven't worked in the industry, I guess you maybe like assume that all these companies are, you know, are sort of competitors. But, you know, actually, it, it's that everybody's really just a bunch of gamers first. So, of course, we want to make the best game that we can. And that's always the first thing in our head. But at the same time, we're, we're engineers and we're designers and studio directors and things like that we're fans too so you know <laughs> we fanboy over over gdc and e3 just like everybody else <laughs> i want to just back up and talk about you a little bit before we hop into PUBG. you kind of mentioned the <laughs> fanboying about e3 and other things like that and one of the things that i didn't necessarily realize right when i read your twitter handle <laughs> but I find your gaming handle, GenXB, to be actually fantastic because I think what it is is a combination of your generation and then the fun twist from gaming. Am I right on that or is there more to the story? No, that would be awesome. I wish it was that. <laughs> that would be great. Maybe I'll tell people that's what it is. I feel like that's a better story. <laughs> No, actually, um, I think early in my career, I was trying to look for some, you know, elite sounding handle. I mean, I grew up <laughs> when I was really young, I grew up around like bulletin board systems. This is like pre-internet. So uh, everybody has to have a cool nickname when you're on a BBS. But um, Gen XP stands for general exception. So it's a programming error that happens. And it's the one that happens when you sort of don't know what the error actually is. You just write, well, we don't know what it is. So it's a general exception. So <laughs> that's actually what it is short for. So yeah, I own the domain general exception too. And I've never put anything on it so if anybody has any good ideas for the domain let me know and i'll i'll send it over i gave you so much credit for being like <laughs> the wittiest developer out there <laughs> yeah i think i'm gonna use your story instead <laughs> well i'm like i'm sitting here thinking like maybe he's gen x yeah and then he put exp in there for gaming and yeah. i was like it's brilliant it's perfect well it's true i am <laughs> i am technically gen x and uh yeah so maybe i'll say that instead that sounds much better maybe i won't hate it as much <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yeah once you kind of get get that down and you reserve the twitter name and you get it on facebook and linkedin and psn and steam and xbox and league of legends and every other place that i've been playing games now for man you know 20 years it's just too hard to change right. <laughs> do you ever have your handle taken on a game and just like lose it um, okay, so there was this one dude from Brazil one time that I found used that handle somewhere and I wrote him a note and I think I wrote, I think I sent him links to like, dude, you're not going to get this one no matter what. I've already got it. You know, I probably got you by a few years too. And uh, yeah, he just backed off. <laughs> Did you drop your resume on him? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I know Riot. I know him. Yeah. Like I can tell I will him. shut you out of this game, son. Yeah. <laughs> I think it might have been an EA Origin account too, but eventually I got it back. I think I had to call EA to get it, but I got it. Nice. That's hilarious. Yeah. So you you brought up an acronym and you said something that I've never heard before. Was it the BBX? Is that what you just said? Oh, BBS, Bulletin Board Systems. Yeah, this is old stuff, man. Because I saw on your Twitter bio, you mentioned the OPZ and the Mando. <laughs> so like, you're really into these acronyms, but... I mean, what is, are those like passion things? Are they still passions? Like, what is that? Yeah, just passion stuff. So the problem is you're going to keep making me explain stuff and I'm going to be less and less uh, interesting over time. But let's see. So the OPZ is a, a little portable synthesizer. 
I've always liked music, so I've been playing with that a lot lately. Pretty neat little little device. You should check it out. And the Mando is the mandolin, so I play the mandolin as okay. well. Okay. I think you'd be surprised. Like, I'm not musically inclined at all, but the OPC <laughs> sounds cool. As does the mandolin. I'm just not musically inclined. But I guarantee you there's people that listen to this. They're going to say, what? <laughs> yeah, my plan is somehow going to be to play my electric four-string guitar and sample it and stick it into the OPZ. That's my plan. But, you know, one of these days when I have free time, which is which is like zero. But we'll see. <laughs> Someday. I also laughed at you being the co-creator of what I think are your children. Yep. And then you founded more children. Yeah. Are twins maybe in the picture? Tell me about that. Yep. So my twins uh, are nine now. And uh, my son is a huge, huge gamer. My daughter is turning into a huge gamer too. And my little dude is five. And actually... I have a five-week-old as well. Wow. Yeah. Oh, congratulations. I know. Surprise. That's what I said, too. <laughs> 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 yeah. But life's crazy, man. You know, you never know. You never know what's going to happen in life, which is the best part about it. So <laughs> So are the twins Molly and Grady? The twins are Molly and Grady, yep. And if you mix the letters and their names up, you get Mad Glory. So now you now you guys are the only people in the world to probably know that. But that's, that's how I got the name Mad Glory. Wow. Yeah, there you go. That's awesome. So you said they're big gamers. So what are they playing right now at nine? Uh, Grady and Molly love Fortnite. They play tons of Fortnite. You know, it's fun for me to see that game through their eyes because um, it's, I mean, it's an amazing game. And of course, you know, Epic is a great partner of ours. So yeah, they play it with all their friends. Grady plays a little PUBG, but I think it's a little too serious for him. And Molly's not interested in PUBG at all. It's just not her kind of game. And then in addition to that, they play... They play tons of iPad stuff, different different games. Lately, they've been getting into the new Harry Potter Niantic game, which is pretty cool. Because I'm like, stop playing games, get out of the house. And then I find them playing games outside. Um, <laughs> Niantic's who did Pokemon Go, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. Another like really amazing company. They were on my list of ones I would have loved to work with at the end there. But yeah, great company. Yeah, as to how they pulled GPS into gaming together and made it work is insane. Yeah, it is because people talked about it for years and it was like, someday this is going to work, right? It's it, There had been attempts before. I mean, you, you know, that game was built off of the Google game before it called Ingress. So all the data for Pokemon Go originally came from Ingress. Right, the gyms were the, there was some other name for them, yeah. Yeah, that's right. And it's funny, it shows you how much IP matters, right? Because you take Ingress and it's it's okay, but it's got no really well-known IP. And then you take the same game and you sort of copy paste Pokemon on it. I'm not I'm not trying to minimize their work. I, obviously, there was a ton more work than just that, but but you know you apply the right IP and then you know boom, smash hit, you know billion dollar global success. Yeah, it's it's amazing and it shows you how much how how powerful IP is in gaming. It's amazing. So that's a really interesting point, especially with the news that just dropped about PUBG Corp recently, like yesterday at the time of this recording. <laughs> True. <laughs> when we got some recent news from you guys about a hire you just made to work on something new within the PUBG IP. So that's a really interesting statement to me because I agree with you. I think IP matters and that Niantic example was phenomenal. I mean, Niantic didn't obviously come into that conversation, but creating something within an established IP has to have been a major conversation. Do you think that's what went into that? Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, yeah, I actually, I think that's almost exactly how it happened. I mean, games are stories, right? And it's this whole universe that 
if you fall in love with something, you you just want to be in it. I mean, everybody has that game, you know, has a bunch of games like that, not just one. There's, there's never going to just be one. And again, when, when this game was made, you know, you have to rewind back and you have to picture 20 kind of kind of almost disgruntled developers who had just launched a game and it wasn't a huge success and they they were just trying to find their passion for development again, which is hard. You know, game development is so hard. There's no other business like it in the world. There's nothing that combines art and engineering and project management and business. There's just nothing there's not there's no equivalent. There's just not there's nothing like it. There's literally nothing like it. And they're trying to find their passion again and they make this thing that that kind of turns into something they never expected. And then you know, now it's, I mean, we really feel like we owe a lot to, to the players, right? We have these people who are, who are falling in love with this. And it's definitely true that we have not had the chance yet to tell the stories that we want to. I mean, you know, you, you can just start from the very beginning, like, like, who are these people? Why are they running around the battlegrounds? What is the battlegrounds? What is Erangel? Where, what, like, th- we haven't answered anything. What is the gas? Yeah. What's, what's with the exploding gas can? Um, what, right, exactly. What is this weird circle that's, that's closing in? I don't know. We, we owe people answers, I think, to that. And that's, that's how we really feel about it. And then again, you know, as we said before, you know, PUBG is, is an online game. And, you know, that wasn't originally maybe the plan, but that's, that's what it's evolved into. And that's what we're continuing to, to evolve it towards. And that's a great medium, but it's also really hard to storytell inside of that medium. I think, you know, maybe if you want to look at companies that have done a good job at storytelling around a medium like that, I think Riot to me is probably the best example. There's a whole League of Legends universe out there, but they really can't tell the stories very well in the game. They've told a lot of them out of the game. You know, I think this, um, the deal with Glenn, which, I mean, I can just tell you from being internally in our messaging system, our Slack system, you know, everyone at the company is like, (laughs) is, is so excited about this. We're, you know, we're speculating too, but, you know, we, we want to hear some of these stories told as well, because this is something that we pretty much think about, you know, 16, 17, 18 hours a day. It's like 24 minus however you sleep. Um, we think about PUBG every pretty much waking hour that we're not sleeping. So uh, we want to hear some of this stuff too. So that that's really what it's about. It's about, you know, a new game coming up with maybe a different medium, right, to tell the story. So a- as you sort of saw in the announcement, it's maybe won't be a battle royale game, which is okay. That's kind of, that's a good idea. Maybe it will. I don't think it's been completely decided yet, but it's another way to tell a story inside the universe and maybe answer some of these questions that people want to know. And then for people who are fan of the fans of the BR game, which is of course all of us, because that's the only game we have, having these stories told in and around makes you know makes the battle royale game more exciting and interesting and immersive too. And so that's that's really the idea. It's just about getting those stories out there the best we can. Yeah, and if if anybody missed the news, the higher Glenn that uh, Brian's talking about here is Glenn Schofield. Yep. Hopefully I'm saying that right. Yep, you got it. And this is the guy that worked on big games like Dead Space and the three Call of Duty games, Modern Warfare 3, Advanced Warfare, and World War II. Very well versed in the industry and heading up a new studio for PUBG Corp. But really, when I saw this news, I'm a kind of read-between-the-lines kind of guy. (laughs) I sit here and say, okay, so PUBG Corp is investing into this IP, which to me says long-term investment in PUBG and maybe some of these issues that have been around for a while, they're going to continue to get worked on. Like this, this to me speaks to length of what we've already started seeing this year as a bunch of new hires from last year have gotten up to speed. Yeah, definitely. The, the internal thinking on this is, you know, we're, we're here to stay. Nobody's looking at, at this like, you know, it's six more months and then 
you know, we're all doing something else. <laughs> I don't even know what else I would do. I mean, we're looking at, you know, we're looking at a decade. That's our dream. PUBG and I think Bluehole is a, is a misunderstood company in the West. And I understand that because we are not really great about speaking about ourselves. And we should be. We owe it to the players to be better at that, which is, you know, maybe one of the reasons why we're here. We are taking all of this success in PUBG and just reinvesting it in PUBG. Like, we're, you know, we're not looking at like, uh, how, do we, how does this end? Um, you know, you guys saw Brendan's out working on a new project too. And now Glenn's on. And so you've seen project number two that we've announced. And that may not be the end either. So this is just the ball finally starting rolling. This is just the beginning. It's definitely not even the middle yet. So a lot in the future coming. Well, and you just said something that is sort of a conspiracy out in the, you know, <laughs> Reddit and PUBG community that Brennan Green is like, he's gone, right? He was kicked off. Oh, yeah. He's, he's no, I saw. So um, we have kind of summits where everybody tries to get together and make sure that we're all going in the same direction. Because as you guys know, we're a global company now. So it's it's that's a lot of work. But I spent the whole week with Brendan. He's awesome. He's so much fun. He's got a million great stories. He, he's just a great guy. I don't know what to say. Like he's he's your gaming buddy. You know, like if you haven't met him, he's He's the guy you play with every night to like made one of the most successful games in history accidentally, right? But he he's just he's just like your best gaming buddy. And uh, you know, we talked a lot about what he's doing, and I haven't heard him be that excited in a long time. But, you know, this is a guy who this has been passion for him forever. You know, before he was a PUBG, as you guys know, he was he was making mods. So yeah, every spare moment of his of his life, he's making games. And, you know, as PUBG grew, I mean, this is just normal, right? But companies go from these tiny small teams to to big companies. And when they grow, you're worried about things like global alignment and HR teams and mission statements. And the people that sometimes want to move super fast on smaller, you know, things, you know, that's maybe not the most effective or maybe fun place for them to be. So Brendan really said, look, I want to go back to doing what I love. I want to be making a game. I want to start something from scratch. I want to invent something new. And I want to do it knowing what I know now with the resources that I can marshal at PUBG. And so, no, I mean, he went out, built his own studio, you know, hired his own brand new team and he's off making games again. It's pretty cool what he's got going on. So I hope I, I hope we can see it sometime soon. But what, at least what he showed us was was really, really actually cool. I haven't seen it before. It's neat. Is it in the PUBG universe? I mean, it is still PUBG Corp. I guess that's all I could say. I mean, I suppose I suppose because he's the creative director, he can do whatever he wants. But it, it has it has a way to go. So, you know, if you're if you're at that point in your career where he is, he's he's going to go experiment and try to do crazy stuff. So... So that's what he's doing. And like I said, it was it was really, really, really cool. I mean, it had me really excited the second I saw it. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah. So it's exciting to hear that, you know, Brendan's still really excited. It's great to hear that, you know, the whole team around you still loves this game, plays it all the time. And the story within PUBG and that world is building. And I think we're kind of starting to see that with all the theories from the fans about what's happening in, in the remastered Arangal. Yep. And it's just going to be really exciting to see how all of this stuff starts to play together and then how other games kind of explain Erangel as the island and stuff. Like, is it off in the distance, the new game? These are the kind of things that are going to keep our mind racing for years now. So and I'm, I'm sure you guys, too. Yeah, I was going to say not just you guys, us, too, because, you know, we've got sort of an outline of some of this plan. But the fun part is filling it in. We want to tell the story with with you guys, too. So. You know, this this is not like uh, this is not like we're telling a story to you. It's kind of like we're telling a story with you, and we're kind of happy for anyone who wants to be a part of it to jump in. And there's a million ways ways to do that. But you know, as things get released and as people react to it, and we kind of find out what are the parts that are resonating, what what are the parts that are not resonating, 
you know, it, it will evolve from there. And so even though we have kind of a rough outline of what it's going to look like, I would be shocked if we're back on winter winter in 2030. And it's exactly what it looks like today. You know, I would be shocked if that's the case. That's what makes it exciting for all of us too, because we're kind of kind of building this together. Well, here's the winter winter in 2030. <laughs> <laughs> you know, man, and PUBG in 2030, class. man. <laughs> You know, man, if I had said that in 2009, everyone would have laughed too. But like, here we are 10 years later, still doing the same thing. So you never know. You never know what 2029, 2030 is going to look like. We may be playing uh, PUBG and fully immersive VR. I don't know. But <laughs> man, I already have a heart attack playing this game. I can't imagine immersive VR. But I know. Sign me up anyway. Maybe we need to make the sound worse so that we don't give anyone any like health conditions or something like that. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean dude i'm gonna have like a haptic feedback vest on and stuff and like literally get shot yeah it's gonna be shock it's gonna be a seat. nightmare <laughs> a minute ago you were talking about all of the moving parts the global nature of the company and you're here to maybe tell a story uh like it's owed and i and i think the biggest reason that we were excited to get you on the podcast is because We've noticed that the dev letters have been coming out more frequently from more areas of the world, really, different developers. They're amazing as far as the insight goes, but it still leaves this gap of information. Like, how did some of these decisions get made? What were the struggles behind them? Is it one person? Is it a team? I know it's challenging to communicate on things like this, especially when you've got streamers, stream communities, players, a competitive scene to work on. But can you speak to that landscape a little bit? Because it it really seems like you guys have been ramping up the communication or that something has changed in the last, you know, three to six months. Yeah, a lot's changed. So, you know, we joined, or I guess I joined in March or February of 2018. But I had started working with PUBG, I guess, maybe in December of 2017, because that's when we, you know, we originally started as, as sort of help to, to make the developer API work. It's not even really the same company that it was that long ago. You know, in some ways, you mentioned a couple of things that I want to I react to. Like one of, one of them is the dev letters are getting better, but they're not good enough. And you are 100% you are right. We are definitely aware internally that you know, we're, may we're maybe doing a better job of saying what happened, but we're not doing as good of a job saying what are we thinking about, what could happen, and why is it going to happen this way? We know that we're missing a lot of the context there. So that's, that's definitely something this year we're trying to do a better job at. I can't speak for every team because there's a lot of teams now, but I know for my own team at least, that's something that we're going to try to do a better job of with the next version of Mastery that's coming out. And then um, some of the competitive rank stuff that we that we've been working on that I mentioned publicly that we're that we're looking at now. Uh, we'd like to talk about the thinking behind it, why some of the designs turned out the way they did, because you know as you guys mentioned last week, the competitive rank specifically is a just incredibly complex and nuanced problem just based on the state of the game right now. So that's maybe one. And then maybe to answer the other question, like what changed? So it's been quite a journey. I mean, last fall. You guys remember when the fixed PUBG stuff came out? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, in the end, I think we kind of look at that like it was a mistake. Um, and, really? Well, I mean, I'll, I'll explain it a little bit. But yeah, so there was a couple of us internally that started talking about that. And I mean, I was one of them. And I kept saying, we should put this out and we should, you know, we should really communicate that we're aware of the problems and that, you know, share the roadmap to fix them. And all that sounds really, really great. 
except like everything else, you know, life kind of gets in the way. <laughs> and so you always have these best plans. But the second you lay plans out for six months, you usually regret them because something changes along the way that means you're not going to be able to deliver on the plans. And, you know, you can't make a promise to players and then not follow through. And like, we really do understand that. I think it's a good, it was a good evolution and it was good that we tried it and we've made mistakes and we're going to make more mistakes. People make mistakes. That's, that's people. But um, that one specifically, I'm glad we tried it, but I think in the end it was a mistake because, you know, there was just too much kind of happening in the world of PUBG at the time. You know, PlayStation actually was coming out, if you guys remember, last fall, and we were secretly working on that behind the scenes. And then there was, you know, lots of issues with getting Xbox updated and all the PC stuff was still happening. It's just so much going on at the same time we're trying to fix some of these major performance issues. The solution, I think, would have been just to be more honest about some of the problems. It's hard, right? I mean, we want to do the best job we can, and we want to give everybody everything they want, because as players, we, we want it all too. Yeah, it was, it was a tough place to be. But what happened out of Fix PUBG was we all sat down internally, and we had this kind of big summit, and we said, look, like we, we kind of have to come up with, with what our promise to players is going to be, and then we got to make sure we're, we're delivering on that. And so what is it going to be? We internally have a uh, production team, just like a lot of game companies do. And that's different producers, which are kind of like project managers on all the different teams. And so they kind of came together and they formulated this new patch schedule. And if you guys notice, we've been patching basically every month now. And if you remember during Fix PUBG, it was like almost every week. And so <laughs> when we were trying to patch every week, you know, our QA team like couldn't even keep up with the rate of which engineers were trying to send patches over to be pushed to production. So it was just nearly impossible. If you want to finish something on one day, and let's say give the QA people a couple days to fix it. And then maybe they send you back bugs and you fix them. And then, you know, you send that version back to be tested again. And you hope there's no new bugs. I mean, that right there is a week. So releasing patches every week is basically impossible uh, for any, any online game company, right? So it's, it's nearly impossible. So yeah, we slowed the pace down and we set everybody down and we said, look, quality is more important than speed. And, you know, we're going to dig in here for a decade and that's going to be our plan. Take the time you need to do it right. And, you know, at the same time, we don't want everyone to take a year to do a small feature because that's, you know, that's not how it works, but take a little more time to do a better job. And then we gave the QA team a lot more help and a lot more support and they've been just outstanding. And, you know, we started embedding QA in each individual team. So Lots of various changes. And then overall, we tried to do a better job just making sure that the teams could say no, you know, because <laughs> this is the thing. I mean, this is the thing in life, but um, whenever you're designing systems or software or anything, there's always somebody who's got a million great ideas, but ultimately someone's got to make that idea happen. <laughs> so, you know, so we told the engineers like, look, you guys, if you can't do it, raise your hand and say no. No is fine. You know, no is a totally great word. No means we're marching towards the right thing, not marching towards... Uh, something that's, you know, not going to be right or not high quality. So everybody can say no. And just those couple changes, I think were really part of the reason why it's been a much better year this year. And I don't think anybody feels like we're there quite yet, but we're getting there. Um, we're getting there much faster than we hoped. You know, you're starting to see, for instance, the console updates coming faster. And that's a big push internally right now is making sure the console updates happen, you know, eventually pretty close to the same time the PC updates happen. That's what we'd all like. It's just a lot of work and a lot of change to process to get there. And there's there's so many different teams now working on the game that, you know, just getting that alignment sometimes takes weeks, right? Just having that meeting that explains the process to every team, that one meeting, you know, if it happens once a day with each team, could take weeks. It just, it takes a little longer. But what it means is we can make bigger, more meaningful changes because it means we can marshal 
more resources today than we could a year ago. And I think you're starting to see the effect of some of that too. Some of the mastery stuff and you know, some of the Aaron Gallery Master, for example, that was a pretty big effort that I don't think we could have pulled off a year ago. But I mean, I think that was that was pretty successful as well. I think it's only going to get bigger. So it takes a lot of people to make all these changes and there's offices all over the world. Do you want to maybe get into like how many different offices you guys have, what those like studios are working on and, and how many people compared like today compared to a year ago you have employed? Yeah. I guess, to be honest, I don't know the exact number of what we had a year ago, but it's definitely at least doubled, might even have tripled. A lot of that is marketing. You know, a lot of that is different global global marketing teams and regional community teams and things like that. So that's another reason why if you're, if you're maybe hearing from us more often, it's because like a year and a half ago, it was like Hawkins and Sammy and Steve, like that was the community team, <laughs> you know, the entire global community team for every country around the world. And Man, God bless, you know, them. Sammy, thank goodness. Uh, sorry, poopy queen. <laughs> thank goodness she could speak a million languages because we had half the world covered just with her. And, you know, Hawkins is Australian, so he speaks Australian and English. Um, but, <laughs> but, you know, so, so a lot of those new people that we brought on are additions to the community team, things like that, support. But on the engineering side as well, this company is really, really unique. I mean, again, I've been in gaming now for almost 20 years. I've worked for, you know, if you can think of a major publisher, I've somehow worked with them. And what we've built at PUBG, you know, having nothing to do with me, but what the vision for the PUBG company was, I've never seen it before. So they wanted to build from day one a globally distributed team. They said, look, we're going to find the best engineers no matter where they are in the world. And of course, you know, I'm humbled to be counted among them, I guess. But so we have a team in Amsterdam right now. And that's a lot of the team doing the the gunplay work, action and gunplay. They're the ones that just put out the ledge grab feature, which is pretty cool. Our main engineering team is in Seoul. So that's where our main QA team is as well. And that's most of the console engineering team and a new team we have called Special Engineering Unit. So they're doing some of the optimizations and things like that that you're seeing come out. And then we have our team, which is we're mostly focused on like out of game systems, like, like for example, uh, progression. You know, you saw that with Mastery, so we were able to bring that out. And then our Madison team is our world dev team, and they're in Madison, Wisconsin. If you guys have followed anything about PUBG, you've probably seen Dave Curd once in a while. He's big, tall, smiley, super friendly, really cool. He's just like a super experienced uh, world art guy. So he's out there in the Madison team. So right now on the engineering side, um, those are the main teams, plus our Shanghai team. That's It's really those uh, five locations. So and when you say your team, yep. what is what is your team in New York? Yep. So the way we kind of think about it right now internally is that we kind of have in-game and out-game. So in-game being, you know, gameplay, mechanics, content, things like that, world development. And then we have out-game, which would be uh, a lot of what you see in the client. So when people were unhappy about the optimizations that needed to happen to Xbox, for example, like we, we help fix those. Um, but other things that are a little more interesting, like uh, progression or the store team, that's not my team, but you know that's the type of stuff that we consider out games. So right now, my team does all of the progression systems, and uh, our next project that we're that we're planning at least is going to be the competitive rank project. Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's still not happening yet. <laughs> I mean, I want to see it too, but yeah, it's definitely something that uh, that we're planning and we're really passionate about. You know, that's really how it works at PUBG at other companies too. But in order to get something moving, there has to be somebody that's kind of passionate about getting the job done. Because if you think about it, if there's nobody, we, we play the game all the time, right? So if there's nobody internally that's even passionate about a specific effort, then it's hard to think that like there's really enough players that are passionate about it either. Like if none of us can get excited about doing it, it's hard to think about it. So competitive rank, for example, is something that we've been talking about and been excited about 
since before we even joined the company, just, just like you guys, I hear you talk about it all the time too. So we've wanted to do this project forever, but you know, there's just been a couple more things that when we sat down and we did the design, you know, the initial design, we said, well, we got to prioritize here. And before we get into competitive rank, we really have to get some handle on what progression is going to look like because, you know, before mastery, there was no permanent progression in the game either. Uh, and, and, you know, I don't think mastery is where we want to see it yet either. It's just a start, but it was more important to get that out first before we got into the rank project. So, you know, having that out now, and we've got some more stuff coming out later this year. And then the plan, you know, maybe really late in the year is to start kind of showing off what, what rank could look like, maybe lined up with the next season next year. But again, you know, it's, it's really early and I don't want to, you know, we're, I'm being open about it, but I don't want to overpromise either. There's, there's just a lot of nuance and complication here. And if we can't get something we like, then we're not going to launch it. So, you know, right now where we're, what we're doing is planning and thinking and talking to a lot of different people, including you guys and anybody who's listened to the podcast, you know, and our plan is to be much more open about this feature, just like you mentioned earlier. This one is this one is really important to the game, and it's important for many reasons. The most of which is what you guys talked about last week, which is you know this is finally going to kind of define what it means to be a skilled PUBG player, right? Which we've never really done so far, and doing that is complex, and it's not something that we want to get wrong. So it's okay to like iterate on it, but it's not something we want to be flat out wrong on. So it's something that needs a lot of time and investment. Yeah, you see people all over the board, right? We've got people that look back to the old leaderboard system. Yep. And then we've got people that look at the survival rank system. And then you've got people that are saying, oh, ADR, time survived. <laughs> I mean, there's so many metrics that go into it. And, and that seems like a surface level thing. Like, here's all the things we could track and we can do them with different weights and try different things out. Is there anything else that maybe is deeper than service level that you guys are thinking through or trying to work on or is like a battle internally on what's holding it up because it seems like you could just put the leaderboard system back in and make some people happy but maybe that's not the best plan for the long term well yeah that's it too and you know there's a couple different things that a lot of games get out of ranked you know one of them is it establishes this place where if you want to play the game truly competitively you know, we're giving you a place to do that, right? So just, um, you know, because I play League of Legends a lot. You know, that's that's a game that does this really well. If you want to go play a competitive league, you go play the ranked queues. And the game is going to work with maybe a, you know, more fixed rule set. It's going to have a different pace. There's other mechanical things, like it might take forever to get a game. <laughs> you might have to wait 45 minutes, right? Right. Um, to get a game. So there's, there's all these kind of like details about that. So one of the benefits that games get is that it kind of establishes this place to have competitive play. And then the side effect of that is it also establishes that by default, everywhere else is not the place to have competitive play. So it's one thing that's interesting about, about our game at the moment is because we've never done this before, a lot of different types of players want different things out of it. And there really is not a way to give everybody everything. I mean, that's not design anyway. You know, we should optimize for, you know, trying to take the game in the direction that we think is best and the game in the direction that we think is the most long-term beneficial for everybody. But sometimes that means short-term compromises. So, you know, for instance, you guys might notice if you follow my Twitter, but pros all the time are constantly messaging me and saying that, um, you know, they want competitive rank. And what they mean when they say that is they mean they want the esports rule set only with squads only, FPP only, on all the time, and they want to have a skill-based ranking algorithm out of that. 
to the point where like they wouldn't even want to see the actual esports ranking algorithm, which which by the way wouldn't work in in a public matchmaking setting like that. You know, that's that's kind of what they want. And then there's other players like you know when we were talking last week, if I can say that, but we were talking last week and yeah, and you know you guys were saying, look, I like playing I like playing duos, right? And I want to play duos FPP and. We want to get a rank out of that because I want to know if we're if we're doing well and if we're improving. And that's completely valid too. But that's a really different set of requirements than, for instance, what the esports players want. That looks a lot more, for instance, like maybe the survival title system that we have right now. But instead of having the experience algorithm that we kind of have tacked in, maybe replacing that with an actual ELO, Glico kind of traditional ranking algorithm, which, which also, by the way, don't work for Battle Royale <laughs> in general. Oh, and then there's maybe this third one, which is you know, casual players, like they don't want to be ranked at all. <laughs> you know, rank being ranked is scary. I mean, you know, it's it's a different feeling when you join a game and you know you're going to be judged, right? Which in some ways you are in Battle Royale all the time anyway, because there's this kind of natural leaderboard that results at the end of the game. But you know, we don't we don't want to make the game inaccessible to new players. That's not good for anybody long term. And I think we'd all love to see more people playing the game, right? Just because it's a it's a good game and we want more people playing. Uh, we don't want to see the user base kind of slowly becoming more and more hardcore and niche over time. That's that's not really a healthy ecosystem. Well, it's funny you say that because I've, that's kind of a conversation that we have all the time. And it's people who come back to the game or who maybe are just switching over from <laughs> Xbox or something. And they're like, everyone's ridiculous. And the, everyone's the, so good. Well, the people who stayed are insane now. And anyone new is just going to have an uphill battle because everyone's figured out how to, you know, do their jiggle peaks and, you know, they got the leads perfect. Thanks, Wacky Jackie. No one knows how to miss now. Right. And if you haven't been following that along the way, then trying to catch back up in the last six months of Wacky Jackie and Griff videos is pretty tough, man. I mean, that takes some time, (laughs) not to mention the practice that you got to put in too. Yeah, I'm four years late, but I'm getting into Rainbow Six Siege right now. I yep. am so in over my head. It's it's crazy. Yeah, it's it's hard to catch up like that. And and that's part of the magic. I mean, you want you want to have something that people can kind of come back to over and over again. I mean, no no game should have a goal of, you know, having someone play every single day for ten years. I mean, of course, I guess that would be okay, but like that's that's not gonna happen. I mean, even as gamers, like that's not I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> so you're not gonna do that. So we don't want to do that. We want it so that, you know, it can be a thing that becomes, you know, something you love and you can go away for a while and come back and that's totally fine. That's great. You know, we just should be doing a good job and have something you want to come back to. So we definitely don't want to make it so when you come back, there's such a steep learning curve that there's just that you're just frustrated. And that's another thing that rank does, for example, is it gives those really hardcore, super, you know, skilled players who just want to come up with a ranking at the end of the season and see how good they can be. That That's great. I mean, that's a that's a great thing to want to do. Not everybody wants to do that. But having the rank cues allows them to go do that and then also allows the casual players to to have an area that can kind of be theirs as well. It kind of takes some pressure off of the, you know, the normal guy who's like, well, at least I don't have to worry about K-Mind coming around and shooting <laughs> me from the top of a roof that I didn't yeah. even know I can get on, you know? Yeah, exactly. So. And then there's, you know, then there's this third dimension to all this thing, which is, it's kind of like, what is the best solution today? Probably isn't going to be the best solution in a year from now. And so maybe we want to think about what works now and then maybe the direction where we want to eventually take it long term assuming that we make good choices now and that the short term thing is successful so we can have kind of a roadmap where we you know where we take everybody uh long term this stuff needs to be a conversation i mean we we really do understand this has to be a conversation with players because this isn't just our game it's your game too 
we owe you that conversation. And that, that has been tough, you know, just totally honest. You know, this is not something I've done before in my career, gone out and had tons of conversations about the intricacies of game design. I've got to watch it happen at lots of the companies I work for. And I've been an avid reader and I've enjoyed reading it, but I haven't been the one who's, uh, who's been out having those types of conversations. And I think that's true for a lot of the people at PUBG, right? So, you know, there's a bunch of us who are trying to, uh, you know, put more time in and get better at that and, you know, educate the company as to why it's, it's important. They, they get it, but it just takes time. Well, I'm just sitting here laughing because you've said just 20 minutes ago that you seem to always get yourself into situations where you're developing something that's really hard right now, but might be easier in the future. Yep. But I feel like a battle royale <laughs> rank system and competitive is like the pinnacle of hard right now. It's really hard. And I mean, try to find a game, find any game that's done doing it perfectly. You can find a lot that are doing it really great. And then find a BR game that's doing it perfectly. I mean, there was no BR games that were as popular as they are now, three, four years ago, a couple years ago even. So yeah, I mean, we are charting uncharted territory. I don't know, mapping uncharted territory. But yes, that's the, what's happening. And uh, professionally, it's really fun. Uh, for me, you know, the first ranked system, I think I wrote, I mean, I did it as an engineer, but probably you know, it was either for Guitar Hero because we let you challenge other players and then we kind of had a resulting leaderboard system or maybe Quake Wars. It was one of those early games, but, and actually my, the company I used to work for, uh, Agora Games, which actually is now part of Warner Brothers, they still have a lot of the open source libraries for, for writing ranked algorithms. If you look for code on the internet, you know, you can still find all their leaderboard systems and it's, it's all open source. So if anybody wants to see how some of this stuff works, but for a long time, everybody sort of looked at this stuff like it was a solved problem. And just to give you an example, like Microsoft and, and PlayStation both give you, you know, stuff as part of Xbox Live where you can just go get a leaderboard, go put data here, it becomes a leaderboard. And they publish papers. Microsoft has a canonical paper called True Skill that they published a long time ago on how ranking algorithms work. However, all of these skill-based algorithms mostly assume that it's one player versus another or maybe one team versus another. So by the time you start to get a bunch of teams versus a bunch of teams, and the expectation is not that, it's not really that there's a winner and there's a loser. There's kind of a winner, but then everyone else kind of loses to some degree. It's a lot more complicated. So yeah, I mean, we, we're, you know, rethinking some of the math of the stuff that these companies have been using forever. Because if we just tried to release the simple version of this, it actually isn't going to make players happy either, right? It's just not actually what they want. It seems simple until you actually get into it, and it's not really what they want. So it has to be done right. But yeah, as you said, it's uh, it's definitely challenging. It's really, really cool stuff. I'm hoping we can actually get a paper out about it. I'd love to do that, uh, kind of about the resulting algorithm. But we'll see if we, we get enough time to get that out. <laughs> That's really exciting. And you, know, you talk about stuff that sounds simple and really isn't. So that kind of brings me where I kind of want to go next. This is something that's really hotly contested in, in the U.S. and it's matchmaking. You know, just move the servers a little more to the left and you'll be fine. But it can't, you know, you can't just pack up the servers and head somewhere else. And that's probably not even how it actually works. Yeah, it's a good question. To some degree, actually, it, it's not that terrible. But I'm going to save myself here because everyone's going to start screaming when I say that. The problem right now is that kind of goes back to BR. BR matchmaking is really unique. There's not too many games where you're trying to get 100 players into a single server. And then even if you do that, there's not a lot of games where people can sort of drop out any time and then just go join a new game. So before BR, you know, if you think about it, that actually didn't happen all that often. It's pretty unique. 
So we end up having a couple problems as a result of that. On the matchmaking side, you typically want a lot of players kind of waiting in queue. And the reason you want that is because you want to be able to look through that list of players all the time and find people that are the closest in MMR range and kind of put them together to have a fair match. So typically, like the traditional wisdom is that you want matches to be really fair, right? Now, of course, one thing that also makes PUBG interesting is that there's so much randomness in the games. <laughs> Having 100 people with exactly the same MMR you know, because the RNG kind of plays an important thing with loot spawns and where you're going to land. And there's just so much, right? It, it's not like everybody starts from the same position with the exact same resources or something. It's, it's just weird. That right there is, is tricky. But then if you add to that in PUBG, we gave, we, we have a lot of ways to play the game. So, you know, you can choose FPP or you can choose TPP and you can choose solos or duos or squads. And then sometimes we've allowed you to even, you know, pick the map. And every time you do that, you know, the number of people who have chosen the exact same thing who are also waiting in queue gets smaller. So I'm sure everybody understands in general how matchmaking works, but that right there has made it, has made it hard. And so what that means is like, there's no way to give everybody everything they want in matchmaking. It's just, it's literally an impossible problem. So matchmaking is all about making it feel okay and putting in the correct compromises that make it feel okay, right? And be acceptable to most people most of the time. That's why there's no such thing as perfect matchmaking. It's, it's impossible. So we tried to do that. And one of the things that we tried to do was prioritize fairness and giving people the options that they want over, for example, giving them the closest server. So you guys see that now where like sometimes in certain regions, it says you can't get a local server. Well, you can't get a local server because of the options you've chosen. There's not currently enough people waiting to also give you a fair match in your local region, which means we're going to move you over to a larger region. And, you know, that's that's the compromise we made. Was it a good one? Um, I think in hindsight, it probably wasn't the right one, and we will probably change it. But that's the one that we currently have in production right now. And so the result of that means that, for example, you know, we have to have a region for you to fail over to. So for EU and for LATAM, they fail over to NA. And the most efficient servers for all people in NA all people in EU and all people in LATAM to get to are the East Coast uh, servers. You know, I kind of put this out on Twitter, but fixing fixing this is a multi-step problem. You know, number one, it's putting some matchmaking updates out. Number two, it's making a different compromise for region failover. So, you know, it might mean you have to wait longer in the queue. It might mean you can't pick every single choice you want. But if we take some of those things away, then we can guarantee you'll have enough players in your local region to also have a fair enough game. And then if we can do that, then finally, at the end of all that, we can move the NA servers. And, you know, we've done all the research. We've been part of these projects before, you know, my team specifically here and also several other teams in the company. We've, we've all done this before. And, you know, if we do it, we'll probably end up going to either Chicago or somewhere in Texas, Dallas or Houston or something to give people more centralized servers. Uh, we wouldn't do West Coast servers because West Coast servers are basically the same thing as creating another region. Then when you're looking for a game, the people on the West Coast couldn't be matched with the people on the East Coast. <laughs> so that actually makes the problem worse. So, you know, the, the right solution is to have central servers so that everybody has a relatively equal ping time. And then through good relationships with internet providers, you know, we can, we can lower that down. So this is the same solution that a lot of other companies take. You know, Riot really notably in 2015 put out a really good uh, article about why they made this decision. I think that's a really good one. But, you know, we, we didn't really invent this idea. This is sort of the general approach that most companies take. It's just we're blocked on it right now based on some of these matchmaking situation that we're in. So the pools that exist right now is the way I would say it would be compromised if it was 
moved right now the way it is? Yep. Basically, what would happen is all of a sudden EU players would have a much, much longer ping time and LATAM players would have a much longer ping time. And so, you know, we kind of tried to provide the best solution. So it's, it's really not impossible to move the servers. I don't even think it would be that much work. It's just actually making all these other changes one by one first and sort of making sure that things are balanced after each change we make. So you're going to see some of these changes happen very quickly. We actually had a team internally who spent about two months trying to come up with a plan that they liked. And I've seen it um, and it looks pretty good. So we're going to try it out, see how it goes. If it doesn't go well, you know, I think one thing people need to understand is it doesn't mean it's going to be a year before another change. Like we'll just make another change. You know, I've seen the plan. I think it looks pretty good. And it's definitely the first step towards getting centralized NA servers. It's kind of like the ultimate goal. For me anyway, as an NA player, that's my ultimate goal. Me too, because I'm in Minnesota, so <laughs> give me that ping. Yeah, I, I guess on the upside, I'm in New York, so, so maybe it's a little better for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm fine over here, but I've said multiple times, I'll sacrifice a little bit of my ping and give it to my friends on the West Coast. So, you know, you talked about compromises and, you know, how you guys are going to have to make some compromises. You know, West Coast probably feels like they've been making compromises for a while, but I mean, it seems like to get the, you know, the ping situations in NA fixed and stuff we're going to have to as players make a few compromises ourselves with maybe how many things we could choose how many options we're going to have but it'll ultimately help someone like keithy keithy in australia maybe find a match right a little easier yeah that's exactly right and it may end up being slightly different by region and it may be you know slightly more dynamic so that we can reconfigure things as the player pools go up and down which which by the way they just naturally do i mean in a lot of places, fewer people play games in the middle of the day in the summer because, you know, maybe the students and stuff are, are not at college anymore and they're homeworking or whatever. Like these things just are uh, seasonal sometimes and it's totally normal. It's every game has the same thing. But, you know, we need to make a system that's a little more dynamic. And, you know, when you think ping time too, it's not only about like geography. It seems like it would be, but, you know, you sort of have to picture yourself as an internet packet <laughs> instead of instead of a human like it's not how far you can drive it's how long it takes that packet to go back and forth there's other things there too you know for instance one of the data centers in i think it's chicago it's 35 cermac i think it is but you know one of these data centers is the largest data center in the entire world and they have peering relationships which means they have you know internet pipe from almost every major U.S. provider. So they would have like a Comcast pipe and a Verizon pipe and, you know, all the other big big providers. I'm, this is not my like area of expertise, but I've, I've seen it a few times enough at least to understand that, you know, that, that's generally the situation. And then your ping time is is a function of how many different, you know, sort of roads your IP packet has to take before it gets, you know, leaves your house and then gets there. And then what's the traffic? What's the speed limit of each road? I'm trying to use a good, good analogy, right? It's obviously more complicated, but you get the idea. So it's, it's not just about where it is. It's kind of about the road and the speed limit of, of every road along the way. So it's not necessarily true that moving it to Chicago is going to make it worse for the East Coast. It's going to depend where you are in the East Coast and then also what your internet provider is. And one of the things that's related to this that seems to be coming a lot, especially at the end of June and into early July here, a lot of the stream community like Twitch, I keep hearing about specifically in the FPPNA market in the mornings or when the player base is lower because of the Latin America rolling over into the NA servers that there's a lot more stutter. And I'm wondering, is that related? Is that just because of the packets traveling? Because I even noticed this a few days when I was playing in the morning or early afternoon where I was getting more packet loss compared to when I normally play later in the evening during prime time. You know, I, I don't know specifically. I haven't studied this one too much. 
you know, there's a lot, I mean, I could just throw out a few things. There's this probably a lot more than just that, you know, for instance, it could be how much internet usage is happening locally on your, on your provider. Um, could be the state of your Wi-Fi because everyone's at home. Hopefully you're not on Wi-Fi. Could, <laughs> could be a lot of different stuff. Pro tip. Yeah. Pro tip. Don't use Wi-Fi. Yeah, we did. We This is kind of fun, but prior to PUBG, we did a really fun project with Riot called the Lag Report. And, you know, you can actually find this thing live right now. So what the Lag Report will do, so it analyzes the play that happens on every player globally. And then it figures out where you are and it will tell you if there's a better internet service provider for you. And it will also tell you cool stuff like, hey, even though we told you not to use wireless, it looks like you have a wireless card plugged in and you have the wireless card and your Ethernet act, act, adapter active and it's prioritizing the wireless adapter. So, you know, there's all kinds of stuff like this that uh, that could be happening. Or, you know, you have a killer network card and you don't have the software configured right. You accidentally have something else being prioritized. Like there's so many things that could be happening. And I don't blame anybody. It's super hard to figure all this stuff out. It could be a lot of different stuff. You know, it's just it's just really hard to tell. It's it's tough. It's like yeah. predicting traffic around the world. <laughs> Super interesting. Yeah, it is. So I want to move off that a little bit because it's. I mean, we could probably talk about it for a long time, and it sounds like it's something that's not necessarily a one <laughs> one solution fits all. Yeah, it's like basically you have to fight the battle everywhere around the world. <laughs> You can make it better, but yeah, as you said, it's hard. I want to kind of circle back to something you said or alluded to in the Fix PUBG campaign and then what's gone on this year. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that my perception is is that you guys have fixed a lot of the small and medium and some of the big long-term gripes about the game. And as you've done that, it's left a spotlight on some of the other bigger issues that haven't been corrected yet because there's fewer issues in the pool of quote-unquote problems. One of the ones that I want to ask about is weapons loading in late when you're dropping because in the most recent dev letter in June, and maybe there's another one that comes out before we release this, it talked about optimizing building load time, <laughs> yep. which I was wondering if peripherally that was going to affect weapons loading in faster in the game. Um, that fix was about the way that we load, if I remember right, it's textures and models. Because as you guys know, I mean, PUBG is just like a huge game, a billion models. You know, we're, we're, we're modeling like sections of, of the earth. So we have just these very detailed maps and things like that. But yeah, that specific fix was optimizing for different types of disks, the way in which we load textures into RAM. So it had nothing to do actually with the issue you're talking about. Dang it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a frustrating one. Um, well, we just we practice our drops so much, and you know some of our guys have like special rulers. <laughs> Trigger just uses the width of his phone, but like trying to get it works like on Sandhawk only. really, really <laughs> specific on like exactly when to drop and how to drop, so that we're the first on the ground. And then you and then you land, and there's no weapons there. <laughs> and you run over something, and you pick up a pea shooter, and you ran right past an AK that came right behind you. And yep. you get shot with it. Yeah, this is an it's an important issue, and I know it's one we're looking at. I don't really know, to be honest, much more about it. Past I've seen it on the QA list, and I know it's very high up. <laughs> so, you know, I would expect you're going to see some progress on that one at some point here. But yeah, I don't I can't I don't really honestly know much more than that. So you're saying there's somebody in the office who's passionate about it and who's willing to drive the change. Yes, we yes it was <laughs> yes that one <laughs> yes absolutely. 
Actually, I'm pretty sure there's many teams who are passionate about that. We uh, we actually talked about that at our global team meeting. So yeah, that one's being discussed. Yeah, and we don't want to put you on the spot too much. No, it's good. You can put me on the spot all you want. No problem. Well, then, no. <laughs> <laughs> but if I don't know Great, the answer, the I'll list, tell you. <laughs> Quick. All right, I'm breaking yeah. it out. But no, I mean, it, it is something that, you know, it, it can, you know, end the game pretty quickly. And, you know, if you're in that squads kind of mode and you lose a guy early on just because he landed too fast, you know, you're just like, wow. There's this term in gaming that uh, one of my designers always says to me, and I just love it. So I've sort of stolen it from him, but it's called verisimilitude, which is the idea of kind of the perception of reality, right? And so this bug is so annoying because... You know, you sort of like get yourself into the mindset of PUBG and you're in the game and you're on the plane and you drop and you got a plan and it's right in the beginning where you, you've got all this stuff in your head going on and then the sort of verisimilitude is broken because due to some sort of software problem that has nothing to do with gameplay, it's not about fairness, it's not about skill, it's just a bug. All of a sudden, uh, you know, you could lose, right? And that feels terrible. So. Yeah, we really, we definitely get that it's a problem and I know it's high on a list somewhere, but uh, I just don't have much more, much more than that. And I can absolutely sympathize with, with why it's frustrating. Well, we do, you know, we appreciate you talking about it because it's just something that, you know, you're never going to not think about. It's never going to not like put that weird taste in your mouth where you're just like, man, I, I, got, I was in there. I had main on Paradise for myself. It'll be nice the day that that's like, you know, we don't even think about it anymore because there's so many things that people do not think about and it's. It's funny how quickly players have complete amnesia for like the patch before it. And they're like something that was buildings not loading in fast enough or not even at all. You know, I remember <laughs> playing Xbox and not having an SSD card yet. Yep. And it was rough, you know, and a lot of people went and got them. But, you know, now it's like not as much of an issue. And I haven't seen it, you know, ever since switching to PC. It wouldn't even come up in my, you know, in my brain. But these are huge hurdles that you guys have gotten over. So it's nice to hear that that's high on the list. So yeah, it is. And I mean, for what it's worth, you know, you guys and everybody, you know, you're supposed to hold us <laughs> accountable for that stuff. It's okay. We know it and we know it's got to get fixed. And you know, the fact that that is the newest high priority bug, it, like you said, it is, it is a good sign that we're making progress on a lot of other fronts. And so, you know, it's not like we walk to work and we're like, oh, geez, there's, you know, everybody's complaining. It's like, okay, cool. This one's down next. Like we want to get them fixed too. You know, if I can just for a second, it's like this, this Xbox uh, menus thing, uh, the speed loading of the menus, right? This is, it's just like a quality of life thing that it's a little different because it's not happening in the game, but it's still just frustrating and it feels like, just feels terrible. You know, that's one that uh, the console team that works with me, you know, I, I think it was maybe two weeks ago. They got done with something early and they said, we're not going home, but we fixed the menu problem. They, st they stayed a bunch, a bunch that night. Pretty sure we had a keg. I, you know, we were fixing the, bu the, bu the bug, of course, <laughs> but, you know, it's after work, right? They, like, didn't go home until they got it fixed. And then, you know, I remember the next morning they came in and just the whole company was, like, high-fiving. that they, they posted a video on our Slack of, like, before and after and everybody was, was happy about it. So, you know, it's just time and resources and stuff. But, I mean, we owe it to you guys and to ourselves and we want to, you know, produce a really quality product that's that's here for a long time because it's something we love right and it's it's totally fine to hold us accountable to that we we don't mind and it, it's even nicer when people are uh, a little bit understanding that you know on this end is, is still people like with kids and graduation parties and parents birthdays and wives birthdays and you know we, we still work as hard as we can but once in a while we got to do that too all the while trying to grow the company <laughs> but yeah hold us accountable it's all good yeah, well there's just a, there's a difference between holding people accountable and, and some of the rants you see and 
And it always comes from a place or typically comes from a place where someone just doesn't know all that work that goes into it. And so that's why one of the goals I had was just kind of letting some of our listeners know that like, you know, you guys do have regular lives and that these things don't fix themselves overnight. Yeah, it's true. It, I mean, it comes from passion too, right? I mean, I, I don't even get mad at those. I just look at them and say, look, this person cared so much about this game. Like, I'm sorry they had a bad experience. You know, I, I wish I could prevent everyone, but they cared so much about the game that they turned off, you know, their Xbox or their PS4 or their PC. They signed on to Twitter. They found me. You know, I'm not like super well known, right? I mean, but they somehow found me and they wrote me a note and they probably tagged Hawkins too. They probably know Hawkins. But after, you know, after all that, you know, I mean, it sounds silly, but that's a lot of work, right? Um, and, you know, it actually, if you look at the number of people having problems, because we we actually have reports that count a lot of these errors, you know, behind behind the scenes, we have error reporting software. And then we log all the stuff that go to PUBG support. And so we know about how often each one of these things happen. If there's bugs, a lot of times we can capture an automated log. So we can even do things like, you know, find out, is this problem affecting 100% of Xbox players? Or is it like, this was the first time it ever occurred? A lot of times we can get that kind of data. Um, but we don't always know to look until until we get some of these because you know, we don't want to turn on so much logging, for instance, that it, that it kills performance. So we, we log whatever we can, all errors and things like that. But sometimes there's something that we just don't know about. So we really do, like, really do appreciate all the information. And, you know, Hawkins is a machine. He logs them all. So <laughs> it's good insane. for us to know. Is he human? Come on. Man, I love that guy. I don't think there's anybody who works for PUBG who's who doesn't love Hawkins. He's just the best. And he's also like one of the best PUBG players I know too. So this is kind of funny. We do uh we do play days internally, right? To make sure that features that are coming out feel good to all the different teams and all the different teams know what the other teams are working on so their features can kind of mesh together. It's something that we started this year. Sure. And the funny thing is there's always there was like little silly prizes to, you know, that you get if you play, right? And it could just be like the PUBG mug that got misprinted and says PUBG. I mean, that would actually be like super highly valued, actually, if that was <laughs> somebody gave away. I want, I want that. But the funny thing is the second Hawkins joins Play Day, there's kind of no point even playing because just everybody knows he's going to win. And then he sort of like goes around and pities the terrible players. And sometimes he'll put them in his team, too. So he kind of like he'll get you a win. But he's just he's just so good he can carry the whole team. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's rough. <laughs> Him and then like our esports team. It's like just like, the second they're playing, there's no point. Oh right. Yeah. <laughs> so. so my my long standing prediction okay. is that twenty nineteen is actually the year of fixing PUBG. And I think you guys are doing a great job. So that it could actually handle a large influx of players. You just mentioned that there's a ten year plan for the game. Are there things coming, you know, free to play or plans or anything you can talk about that may bring those people back or bring new people in? And I know we just got the announcement of the, you know, the new studio and the new designing. That's not fair because I thought of this question before I heard about <laughs> that. But is there anything like that that you can talk about? Just blink twice if it's free to play. Everyone will be able to hear it. You know? <laughs> All right. We're not on video, but I, you can just check if I did or not. Um, no. <laughs> um. Well, here's what I'll say. You know, um, our CEO, CH, who's, who's another one in the company that everyone just kind of really loves. He's just, uh, you know, he's just great. His direction to everybody in the beginning of the year 
was, you know, let's get this on the right direction that we can all really be proud of. He's like, I don't care what else happens. I want every single person here to be proud of what we're doing, both as a player and, you know, as a member of the team. I think you, you feel that if you go around the company, right? We're all here to just, we want to be, we want to be great. So there is this kind of 10 year plan. Part of that though was, you know, CH that I'm not going to put any pressure on you guys. I'm not going to change the business model on you tomorrow. I'm not going to do anything. Just go get me a game that we can be proud of and then we'll figure it out. So, you know, if you're feeling like, why haven't some of these big moves happened? It's because we really haven't made any decisions on them yet. And I know that sounds a little bit crazy, but it's because we'd rather have a great game right now that's just really beloved by the player base and starting to grow, you know, very organically than to try to pull some really weird marketing wizardry that, you know, sort of tries to buy people back to something that's maybe not where we want it to be. Because, I mean, you know, any any game with enough money spent can get players. You know, we don't want to do that and then have them come back to something that that we don't think is going to keep them engaged, right? That's like not telling the story that we want to tell. You know, you can tell to me. It's always stories to me. Yeah, there's really nothing like that. As far as, you know, the future, yeah, I think there's just a lot more, there's a lot more out there. You know, we want to make everything more engaging and sort of immersive. That's That's been one of the things that, that I've heard a lot of teams saying now. And then, you know, we've we've got these, um, you know, great maps and stuff that we that we love we want to explore them more you started seeing like you said a little bit of that with the erangel remaster with some of the new art you could kind of tell maybe the time scale shifted a little bit there i think you could probably tell that mm-hmm. i i really got to get back in there please yeah that was kind of one of the ideas is we're, we're starting to maybe let a little of that slip out which again there's a bigger plan there but you can kind of get a sense that maybe time changed a little bit in the erangel map and i think you're going to see more more cool stuff like that happen in the future so that's that's kind of the plan right now. And then, you know, like like I said, on the immersion side, I mean, you could see with ledge grab and the jerry can. I mean, that's that's like my favorite one, <laughs> you know, right. um, just because like the hijinks. Right. I mean, that's such a PUBG feature that you can line up 200 jerry cans and like wacky jack. You can spend an hour doing that and just blow them all up and get a weird video out of it. That's so PUBG right there. It's the great thing about the game. You know, you can play serious. You can play you can play a lot of different ways. Well, I was going to ask this later. I'm asking it now because you mentioned the can. <laughs> we got explodable gas cans. When is the flare gun going to do damage? <laughs> you know what? I don't know, but uh, I'm not sure. I'll, I'll put in a request with the uh, ANG team. <laughs> it scares the crap out of people when you shoot it at them. I just want it to be a like super Molotov, okay? Yeah, I know. I mean, it can already call like an indestructible vehicle now, right? That's kind of cool. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it should be the answer to the new vehicle i don't know i'm trying to think if you shot a flare gun at somebody in real life what would happen i guess that would hurt like hell probably burn him you would be burned <laughs> it would do at least four damage all right you know, all right in, in real life well you know you know we're like the realistic battle royale so we act, we're gonna have to actually like simulate this we're gonna have to get one of our ang guys you know with some sort of flame retardant suit and do some video I volunteer and tribute it's all gonna right. have to happen you can, you can shoot me it's just yeah even if it does one damage i just want to be able to be in the kill feed killing someone with a flare <laughs> or at least like have that noise like you know when you get hit like the you know just that impact noise and it's just a flare gun. it's like oh nice well I'll, you guys have seen him but uh that's uh pavel who's uh i think it's smooky on twitter he jumps in every now and again where you know we put out some new gun or something like that and somebody compliments it and he gives it a thumbs up so that's that's his team. So I would just, you know, Twitter bomb his account. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. I'm going to clip this little yeah. section and send it to there him. There you go. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, I might find a flare gun in my mailbox tomorrow, but. <laughs> Just be like, so you're gonna go shoot that Kev guy, right? Okay. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> go test this out. Yeah, exactly. So we, it's really easy to focus on problems, and I hope you know that's not what we're trying to do here. I'm really interested in the insight into all this, but we do love the game, which is why we do a podcast about it. But there's also been some really positive and cool things that have gone on recently that I also wanted to get your insight on. So. The community is pretty good about guessing. Like it's <laughs> somewhere people usually guess what's coming out or they data mine it or they're like, well, this just happened, so this will probably happen. And it, you can almost find everything that's in the game now comes from the community <laughs> or was started there or it's it's almost like you guys listen to us. Yeah, we're trying. But yeah. one of the ones that really caught us off guard in a cool way was ledge grabbing or as the other co-hosts <laughs> like to call it, mantling, right. whatever the hell that mantling, is. Mantling, yeah. Yeah, I'm calling it mantling now internally because of uh, because of you guys. Like every game does call it mantling except for us, and we call it ledge grab. Hold on, you've got to solve this. <laughs> Was it called ledge grabbing internally at PUBG? Yeah, it's ledge grab internally. Get out of here, Kev. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was ledge grab internally. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, hey, I maybe like there's just not something. a translation. All right. <laughs> for mantling. That one actually no. So again, that would have been Pavel's team, I think. So yeah, that would have been started out as English, and yeah, so he must have named that one. I don't know. Ledge grabbing it Ledge is. Grab it is confirmed. <laughs> Mantle. Thank so, you. It, but that one was really cool because nobody, at least not to my knowledge, I'm sure somebody talked about it, but that was one that. I think caught the entire community by surprise in a really cool way. Yeah. Yeah. To me, that's just really cool that you guys are working on things that maybe weren't community driven, but were for the community. Is there other, th- I mean, I don't even know if you could announce something if there was, but are there other things that like aren't out in the public or haven't been talked about that are being worked on? Oh yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, most teams have a roadmap out like six to 12 months now, you know, obviously everybody would, Oh, we'd love to see the roadmap. Um, and sometimes you, want to do that but sometimes you don't want to do that because you want the flexibility to change it i think you're feeling that we we really do listen i mean i'm on reddit three times a day i read every single PUBG reddit news article i read everything on twitter that's sent to me hawkins sends me notes if i miss anything at least you know many of us are on all day long pavel's on a lot of people are on reddit has gotten so much better <laughs> oh yeah and you know we have entire teams who listen to the community in turkey and the community in russia and the community in poland and the community in korea and the community in china and Vietnam and Thailand and you know we're following what's going on with mobile in you know in India and Iran and Saudi Arabia like it's not it's not just NA I mean we're in LATAM and Brazil I don't want to forget anybody obviously I can't name every country but you know it's it's definitely not just NA that we're getting opinions from but it's maybe a little easier for me to follow NA sometimes because it's like the time zone that I'm in and it's you know where I live so it's a little easier or maybe uh, you know NA and EU. So we definitely do follow that, um, and we get a lot of ideas from the uh, community. For instance, the Jerry Can, um, Melvin the Sloth, did a great uh, cartoon about that a year ago. So good. Yeah, and you know we all loved it. And I'm pretty sure the Jerry Exploding Jerry Can was like on the roadmap already, but it was not very high priority. And then that cartoon came out, and a bunch of us just started kind of like messing around with it internally, you know. And so it kind of like got moved up on the roadmap because it was. We just started thinking, like, what could be a better PUBG feature than this, you know, taking this thing that's not strategic and all of a sudden it making it strategic, but also kind of like weird and wacky. Like more hijinks can now happen because of the cherry can, which is good. We love that. So there's lots of that kind of stuff. 
And, you know, you mentioned the ledge grab. It's funny because I remember the first time I heard about ledge grab, which was maybe like the end of last year, something like that. And I remember saying like, oh, yeah, I don't know. Like this, it seems cool, but I don't know if that's really going to be a big thing. And then and then that team who worked on it and spiked it all out, they sent around a video of the gameplay before and after the ledge grab. And it was just so much more interesting. It was just so much more dynamic. And, you know, we we really kind of pride ourselves on on realism is what we say internally but it's really this kind of pseudo realism it's our brand of realism it's a little bit silly and it's kind of like jerry can example again where you started seeing this and you're like oh this is really cool you know the movement all of a sudden changes a lot with this thing um you know it's like before and after maybe you could jump over walls right it's it's a totally it's huge it's really different you're running away from somebody you can jump over a wall and duck it's the same thing with right. the ledge grab so it really changes things a lot and we all loved it once we saw it and we got really all got behind it a lot so, yeah, there's a lot more things like that in the pipeline that I think are going to make the game a lot more interesting. Well, I'll definitely take and, more. And, you know, that. we're starting to play again more with maps and environments, too, which could be interesting as well. So, yeah, we'll have to see where, where all those guys want to take it. Where did the idea for the cave come from <laughs> on Vikendi? I'm actually not sure who came up with that one. I should know. It was somebody in the world team, I'm sure. And it might have been Sergey, who's also Sergi, who's also on Twitter. Might have been there. He he could probably tell us. But, um, you know, that was one where it was like, let's see what happens, you know, if we start kind of putting in some things and just let people find them. <laughs> you know, I remember like, that day and fun. it was like Christmas. It was crazy. People were having it a blast. I couldn't wait to get home. I died immediately when I went in there <laughs> and I was smiling and laughing the entire time. It was just too funny and just it was so unexpected. And of course, someone found it using, you know, a spectator cam, I guess, but yep. it still like took a little while and then everyone had to go try it. And... Yeah, we, we were cool with that. We were, we were happy they found it because there was, there was somebody who was like, what happens if nobody ever finds this, <laughs> you know? And then we were like, well, there's a lot of people playing this game. Sooner or later, somebody's going to find it. It doesn't matter if it takes a year. Let's just go stick it in there. So, you know, maybe there's other stuff like that too. I don't know. I was just going to ask <laughs> we, we're not including the new... Erangel remaster but are there things on the current maps that haven't been discovered by the player base yet definitely yeah there's things that people have <laughs> yeah but that's what keeps it interesting <laughs> we now are gonna have like so many people finding this stuff oh yeah and we you know we've got like discussions going internally as to how long some of them are gonna take <laughs> what Ooh, yeah i'm gonna be dropping are in some areas? weird spots can you give us any hints i, I can't give you any hints. no i don't no no, no. mike i don't want hints okay i just want it to be found randomly <laughs> send is... me a dm then <laughs> yeah and you know i think like and that stuff's fun. You know, it's this whole, uh, the realism thing, but also this discovery thing, which that's something we wanted to try to play with a little more this year too. It's, it's you know, if you start to talk about how do you tell a story inside of a game um, and these games have very fixed rules and a certain amount of time you have to play, uh, we, you know, we don't have, and we, we, we will never have, you know, classes and, and things like that in this game. There's definitely certain ways that are, are the best way to tell it. And through the environment and letting people discover stuff is a really good one. So I don't know. Yeah, I think you'll see more of that for sure. Are there things on every map? What about that question? <laughs> I don't think I should even answer that. <laughs> oh, man. I'm waiting for like some sort of interactive button that I can press. Man, you guys have seen Dave Curd, right? Can you imagine that guy getting on a plane and coming to New York and laying the smack down because I, I gave away his secrets? He would not be happy. <laughs> All right. Okay, so what about this? <laughs> There's a new Erangel map coming out, so presumably the old one's going away should we be looking on erangel 
currently. Don't forget, as far as the old one going away, we still have esports. So, you know, maybe at some point, but we got to make sure we keep it around for esports for a while. Yeah. So with, with Iron Gob being remastered, you know, we have the current one and that's the one in esports. Is the you know is the new Arangal going to make it to esports? Is there a time frame for that? I mean, I'm assuming it can't be during a regular season. It would have to be in between, but it also has to have the performance. So it it will eventually make it in. I um, once all the testing's done and everyone's happy with it, but I don't know what the schedule is. But I do know, you know, I I, I don't think there's a hurry. You know, a lot of times uh, the right solution for this is when people are really begging for it, then we drag it in. You know, if they're if they're telling us no, then there's no real reason to make a lot of people unhappy either. So I think it's it's kind of a moving target. But yeah, I don't know if you guys have, have ever seen or talked to Jake Shin before, but I saw an, an article that, that he posted that he spoke in today. But he's our kind of director of Worldwide Esports, and he plans a lot of this stuff out. So great dude. He's probably got a plan. And to be honest, I don't know what it is. <laughs> Maybe we'll get to talk to him or some of these other teams yeah. as well. Sure. We'll pick the map guy's brain until he gives us some secrets, you know. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yep. Flying with bourbon. That's a good start. It's it's awesome asking you questions, even when we know we're not going to get much. <laughs> <laughs> There's just so just much fun. room to to grow this game, you know? And it's it's kind of funny. Um, in some ways, like, the fact that it's such a blank slate is frustrating. But actually, in some ways, the fact that it's such a blank slate is also the biggest opportunity. And, you know, for many of us who have been designing games for a long time, and I know, you know, Glenn said this in his interview too, but that's the thing that has people most excited is it's like the stories haven't even been told yet. So there's just, it's, there's so many, so many places to take it. And that's another thing with the way you've redesigned Arangal, right? And the, the radar tower is something like flew through it and the runway is messed up and there's all <laughs> these different things you're looking at and it's all implied story. It's not explicitly told to you like, this is what happened and this was the disaster and maybe those other games will. But for me, it's always just fun to think like, so what might have happened? How was it? How did this all happen? And why did this guy in his little yellow house in the middle of a field, how did he leave? Why did he leave all this stuff? You know? <laughs> Yep. Those things are fun for people. If we wrote a book called The Story of PUBG and published it tomorrow and you could read it, you'd be like, eh, okay, well, I guess I'm kind of done with that. Um, <laughs> you know, it just wouldn't be, it just wouldn't be interesting when you finished, you know, because nobody wants to hit that that end. But that's been the great thing is, you know, most most of us here, this isn't kind of like our first time at the rodeo. So we've, we've kind of seen this before. And that's why we purposefully didn't go in and write down every single story right like we have we have kind of an outline because you have to have a plan but you don't want to have every detail filled in because you don't you don't actually want to know it you know you want to kind of discover it along the way too and sometimes these stories kind of grow and change and that's okay you don't want to be locked in it's it's just about discovery to be honest i mean as a, a game developer it's the same thing if somebody gave me the entire next 10 years worth of every story we're ever going to tell i think i'd feel the same way i'd be like oh man this isn't going to be you know now what i'm just supposed to go make exactly this one thing happen. It's not fun. I mean, the fun is the creation, right? Mm -hmm. So um, the same part you guys enjoy is the same part we enjoy. So that's definitely the direction that, that we'll take it. Yeah, I like how we're just kind of peeling the onion. It's like little layers and we're, you know, we'll get there, but let's let's take our time and enjoy each iteration of a map. And those things really make it fresh and interesting. So, you know, we do appreciate that. I don't know if you guys ever watched like uh, Lost or anything like that, but to me, that's kind of the, you know, in the television world, that was a really successful example of, of doing this where each time you kind of thought you knew what was happening, it turned out that, oh my gosh, it was something completely different. <laughs> and that discovery is what's so fun. 
the way the Catch-22 book works, at least, right? You keep going back to it, and you're like, oh, so that was actually way more messed up. Yeah. <laughs> he told it the first time, and there was like a really dark element there or something. And, you know, you had no idea that first time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. Well, I, we're kind of at the the end of the questions we had around PUBG, but I kind of want to circle back to this <laughs> thing that you kind of revealed, at least publicly, that you've alluded to on Twitter a little bit, but the the ranked mode. I mean, is there anything else there that we're not considering or that you guys are dealing with internally? Because this is all pretty new information, and, and we've had a little bit of inside knowledge on it, but there's going to be a lot of people hearing about it for the first time right here. And is it as contentious internally as it is when we talk about it and everyone else? Because... It's such a huge argument. Yeah, if you get 10 people in a room internally, like 10 people who work at PUBG, any random 10 people, I think there's going to be different opinions. <laughs> so it's super, super, super contentious. And it's like a microcosm of the community. You know, the people in esports would love to see this work a certain way. And the people who are really hardcore PUBG players want to see it work a certain way. And again, the people who are casual players, you know, sometimes they want to see they want to see it be optional, to be honest. And so it's definitely a really hard balance between this. And then tied into all of this, you know, kind of like we said earlier is the survival title system which is one of our big seasonal elements right now it's kind of one of the big reasons to play a season but it's not really providing an actual ranked experience it provides the feeling of a ranked experience you know as everybody has sort of like realized over time it's it's just mostly based on um it's it's how well you play and it's also how long you play but it's not really a measure of your skill relative to another player it's kind of a measure of investment that you spent in a season so it's not a bad measurement. It's just not measuring what people want it to measure necessarily. The big thing here is how do we roll out probably this new ranked mode? And then also possibly, you know, do we take this survival title system and sort of like take it out and then, you know, maybe bring something back that's different. So, you know, I think if people want to think a little bit about the next three, four, five months as far as ranked, you know, we want to keep having the discussion and we want to keep having it more publicly. Like I said earlier, I believe we do plan to put some some articles out a little bit about how we're designing it. And then, you know, I think people should sort of start thinking about what does the game look like without the survival title system? Maybe maybe people are going to miss it. Maybe they're not going to miss it. I don't really know. The other thing is, like many other games, whatever we roll out in season one ranked is not going to be the ranked mode we have in, in five years. It's going to grow and evolve and change like everything else. And so, you know, this is another thing you're going to start seeing, I think, more of is that we're a lot less concerned than we used to be about i want to say making it perfect but i don't mean in terms of quality i mean in terms of these things just take time to build momentum for instance you know if we put out let's say we put out riot's ranked system tomorrow in PUBG, and we just like dropped it in you know that's a full-time ranked queue that would potentially have support for solo duo squad tpp fpp I mean, this is sort of Riot's kind of system, right? Where that, that's kind of how it works. You know, imagine what that would do to the matchmaking queues. We're already having problems today because we give people so many options. It's not because we don't have enough players. It's because we give everybody too many options. Um, right. How many pools are there? Uh, well, let's see. Okay. If you think of the number of uh, perspectives, so there's two perspectives, and then there's, uh, what, solo duo squad. And so the times three, so you multiply each one. If you pick a map... That's times four. So two times three times four, 24 matchmaking queues, which is insanity, by the way. That's a ton of matchmaking queues. For each region. So it's just insane. Right. But what do we take away, right? You know, the only way to do that is give out fewer options. So one of the problems with the rank mode is depending on how we do it, you know, imagine we came out with a, a ranking system where you could play solo duo squad, you could play TPP, FPP, and you could choose a map. <laughs> well, now we've got, you know, 
24 more matchmaking queues. So that's clearly not a solution that is sustainable at all. In fact, it just makes the entire game worse. So it's going to be compromised. But you know, what we keep saying is that we want to put something out that will be kind of like almost like a, I was going to say a beta test. But again, I don't mean it in terms of quality, but I mean it in terms of like, let's go try to see if people really do want to play ranked. Because the other thing you get is there's a very vocal community, obviously, on Twitter and Reddit and everything else that really screams for a rank mode and of course, esports. But it's also really hard to tell how big that segment of the players is. You know, we can write surveys and things like that. And we've sent those out. But there's bias in surveys too. Of course, the heart most, if you send a survey out that says, do you want ranked mode? Everybody that wants ranked mode is going to write back yes. And nobody else is going to write anything. So even that it's really hard to, it's really hard to infer, you know, what that means. So yeah, I want a ranked mode so I can try hard, right. but I'm not going to play it every day I log on. I'm going to get home from work on a Monday and I'm going to be tired. Yep. And I'm just going to want to play, I'm going to want to mess around in solo by myself and just like chase people in cars, wait till I get shot at. That's not a ranked kind of mode. Yeah, sometimes you just want to go in and have fun and you don't want the pressure. So yeah, I mean, that's really, that's how we're thinking about it currently is we want to put something out that lets people experience it. Maybe all the time, maybe not all the time, maybe not every option, but let's see how it goes. And at that point, we can kind of see what the adoption looks like and we can kind of see you know, for instance, what happens to the normal queues when, you know, the competitive queues go live. And then we can start to make some bigger decisions about what this looks like in the future. So, you know, that's, that's what I would expect is it's a very, very complicated, hard, <laughs> nuanced, risky is kind of the word, you, you know, we, we sometimes say internally, again, not, not in terms of having a broken feature, but in terms of the player experience, we want to make sure it's a really good player experience. We want something that's great. And there's going to be some compromises around making it happen. But at the moment, it's something we we're pretty committed to make work. I think the community is going to like explode over this. <laughs> it's going to create, you know, if we thought there was a lot of conversation around that already, the speculation is going to be fun. Is there certain things, though, that you have, you know, like certain models that you've already completely gone against? I mean, maybe I'll just throw an idea out for kills counting more the further into the game you get. Like, would that be something that makes sense? Because it makes sense when you say it and then you think about it for five more minutes. You're like, well, maybe it doesn't. Honestly, we really haven't, haven't even gotten that deep into the algorithm yet. I mean, we've had that conversation a bunch of times when we were talking about progression. <laughs> but uh, I don't think we've really even gotten that far. To start out with, you know, we sort of feel like there's maybe three main ways you could go. You could kind of go towards a, I guess, a leaderboard style system. If you guys remember like shooters back in the day used to kind of have a thousand leaderboards and there was a thousand ways to kind of measure your skill and you could kind of pick the one you cared about and focus on that number and i you know again you guys kind of alluded to that last week and then there's the other one that's sort of like full-on esports only rules and things like that which could be good as well but that's a very small percentage of the player base that wants to be that hardcore just for instance i mean most players have never even played the esports rules so you know how do you even explain it to them. We love our esports program. So, so we'd love for more players to understand esports. So that's like, you know, maybe the upside of that one. And then there's this sort of system in the middle, which is, well, let's design something that really, you know, appeals to like, I guess we don't really like to use the word hardcore, but let's say like really competitive players. It's not even really competitive players. It's players who want to play really competitively at the moment. And then maybe also sort of crosses over into being something that the pros can, can get into and support as well. So it's kind of these like three options maybe you know that's the way we've been thinking about it so far and as far as which one to go to i mean each one really has a set of benefits and you know all we can really say internally right now is that it's it's unlikely that whatever we choose for season one will stay the same for season two like we'll probably have the competitive ranked seasons 
linked more like to normal seasons in the game and not necessarily for a while linked to anything to do with esports seasons, at least for now. And we'll just see how that looks in the future. And when you say seasons, you're talking about, you know, like a finite period, like a month. Yeah. You know, we, we kind of have a season system now, although, you know, we I'm, I'm kind of aware that maybe not even everyone knows when it's happening. So the last one would have been called uh, Wildcard, and that would have uh, overlapped with the length of the uh, Survivor Pass. At the moment, are thinking of kind of lining up the competitive season with the Survivor Pass seasons. That makes sense, because people get burned out if it's just this never-ending grind, and then it's inaccessible for someone who's newer to it. Yep. This gives you a chance to be like, I'm going to really focus this one season, and then I'll go back to working on new skills or something so right and that's actually what people usually want with competitive you know it's it's like really if you're if you're going to participate in a competitive season you know it's it's a commitment so you know you want to have a time where you can rest <laughs> when it's over you want a little time to rest yeah. before the next one starts and that's okay that's just normal um everybody wants that so ranked is it makes a lot of sense if it kind of lines up with the survivor past seasons it also makes a lot of sense if we give you a little time in between to kind of like recharge your batteries and go blow up some jerry cans. So <laughs> that to that point, I mean, that's how I play Overwatch. It's how I play Diablo 3, yep. for example, where I don't play every single season of Diablo 3. I don't play every single competitive season of Overwatch. They have breaks in between them, to your point. But there's also maybe wisdom in saying, okay, not everyone wants these super long seasons because not everyone's going to play in every competitive season, which is also okay. Yep. You can sort of look at the beginning of the season and maybe what their rewards are going to be and, you know, that kind of stuff and just, you know, hey, decide if it's going to look good. We can sort of look at the feedback loop there and decide, see how many people decided to jump in and some of the community feedback that we're getting and make sure we're kind of continually refining it to be right, you know, and better long term. Well, that's awesome. I appreciate you going into more detail on that, especially with this first kind of release of the info. That's really cool. Kev, do you have anything else that you wanted to ask or throw in here? And we've we've hit just about everything that we had planned. I got one one little question. <laughs> so you're on the weapon mastery team, right? Yep. Can we get a stat track pan? <laughs> Okay, so when we designed Weapon Mastery, initially, <laughs> I've mentioned this too, we had a set of skins that were going to be the sort of top rewards. They weren't stat track skin, skins for what it's worth, because when we started working on it, there was no stat track skins. <laughs> um, however, when we got all done and we looked at the skins that were the top rewards, they weren't as good as some of the skins that we're coming out with uh, in the future. And we decided that having sort of this subpar skin be the reward for something you've worked so hard at uh, just didn't feel really good. So for what it's worth, we are aware that there needs to be more work on weapon mastery and that there kind of needs to be more thought put into what happens when you get to level 100 and what happens past level 100. And yeah, we like we know there's a lot more work there, but I guess really all I can say on that one is mastery, you know, that is that is right in the middle of our team's uh, responsibility. That's that's us. And um, it's it's not done. Like mastery is just going to evolve now constantly for the next foreseeable years. We're just going to keep working on it. So, you know, weapon mastery is is the first round. There's going to be new like elements of mastery that players can work for and it's going to appeal to new types of players, which I think will be fun. And I think you're going to see more later this year. Cool. So Stat Trek Pan. <laughs> <laughs> We're just trying to, you know, get Chaco to, to not quit pan fights. <laughs> hey, what was the name of that comic guy that did the Jerry can again? Oh, it's like Melvin the Sloth on Twitter, right? Melvin the Sloth. Okay, so Kev, we need to get him a stat track idea for the pan, uh, and we also need to send him, make him do a comic about a flare gun. But this is the thing. Everybody listens to you guys, too. <laughs> so I think you're okay. 
Well, we just got to make sure we like get those those little thoughts going everywhere so that coming from all angles. That's right. It's definitely nice when you can see a trend. <laughs> well, that kind of wraps up our middle section here with a uh, unique request from Kev to get a stat track pan. <laughs> but um, I actually I think that would actually be hilarious. You know, I'm th- sitting here thinking about Choco Taco. And Electro pan. Games with pans. Battery powered. Maybe we'll make it you have to find batteries. Just a painted number that changed every time. And Chaco just gets up to like 1,000, you know. <laughs> That'd be funny. The, uh, the last section that we like to do with everybody on the show is a, a section we call automatic fire questions. And what this is, is we create a list of questions and the idea is to give you just a short amount of time to answer them. And we're just going to kind of ask them in succession. Uh, some are serious, some aren't. Are you ready? I think I'm ready. What is the number one issue that you personally want to see fixed in the game? <laughs> Do I have to answer quickly or am I allowed to pause? I'm thinking through our QA list. (laughs) You can pause. We can take out the pause. (laughs) We can make it seem like you were right on it, even if you took like three minutes. You can switch to single fire. I guess it doesn't have to be automatic. (laughs) No, no, it's good. It's good. I think my answer to this one is I would like to see console shipping uh, updates much more in sync with the way PC ships updates. Yes. My Xbox friends are like all cheering right now. Yeah. Right now being in the future when we release this, but they're going to be very happy. Yeah. All right. So question two is, what is your favorite primary and secondary gun loadout? And this includes scopes and attachments. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. Mostly I just try not to die and hope I can play with Hawkins. I'm not, I don't even know. What is your favorite game that no one knows that you play? <laughs> uh, Dragon Quest on my PS4. <laughs> jrpgs <laughs> all right what is your favorite PUBG map and you can name one that is in development if you want uh okay so it's this new secret one that's in development um it's called the winter map um Ooh. it's pretty sweet yes you know shaped shaped like a pan um has all new types of movement no i'm just kidding um is it a new training map called the winter winter training map? yeah exactly i love that one yes no awesome. uh i mean the, the Aaron gallery master i guess it'd be hard to say anything but that for me because um it's the first time you know i saw behind the scenes of that one so it's it's the first time that i saw a world team like really able to flex their muscles a little bit and and see what they could do because it's the first time we've ever kind of done like a a, a 2.0 update and you know i think they did a good job at the end of the day because they had you know some much maybe bigger plans but then there was also kind of a deadline of when we kind of wanted to get it done so I think they did a good job with the time they had and the resources they had. And, you know, I, I just like want to see them do a bigger map with more time. So do you think this is the last iteration of, say, let's say, Erangel that we'll ever see? Or, you know, we're looking for 10 years of PUBG here. Definitely not. I don't think it's the last iteration of anything we're going to see. Nice. That's that's awesome. Because that really, like, Erangel, I wouldn't say it got stale, but you, you knew where you were going to go and you had your ideas planned around certain loot or certain rotations and this just gives you a whole lot new point of interest and just the whole thing is more interesting. It Everyone was so excited. Yeah. So this is a bit of a side note. So you guys can yell at me later for this one. But, you know, a lot of games, because they're more mature, they, there's kind of this player expectation as to um, like what's a sacred cow, meaning like, you know, what can't be touched versus, you know, what they're expected to change and what's expected to grow, which which kind of keeps it interesting and keeps you wanting to come back and have a new experience. And one thing that's kind of, again, really unique to PUBG is because we didn't update a lot of the old stuff for so long, everything kind of became sacred. And so, you know, if you're not allowed to do anything, like you can't, 
you can't change lighting, you cannot move a rock, you can't do anything. Eventually, like it, it does just become stale. So I think this was a good example because we were able to make some really positive changes, but we did so in such a way that people were kind of, you know, still happy with the result. It'll be interesting to see in the future, you know, now that we started to set that expectation of, of the types of things we can change versus maybe like the types of things we aren't going to change because we don't want to, you know, we're not going to make a different game here. It's always going to be PUBG, you know, kind of like how much more freedom we have in the future to maybe get a little crazier. Your question was better than mine, Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> they were both great. So you've already kind of told us who, I think you've already told us who the best player on the PUBG corporate staff is. Can you tell us who's the worst? Man, really hmm. the throw under the bus question right there. Huh? <laughs> oh man, probably a lot of people that are bad. This is a funny thing. Like, I, I guess you always assume that every person at every game company is going to be amazing at every game, but it's unfortunately not true. Uh, there's a lot of people who kind of suck. It's like golf. Like, I think I, could, I think I think a lot of people could be better at their game. I think I could be a lot better at my game i'd like to be better at the game <laughs> um but uh but that's okay i mean you know it's what you really want is like a microcosm of of the types of people that you want to play it too so you actually don't want everyone to be amazing because then what happens is you you know you only make a, a game that appeals to the very most hardcore players and that's that's not good so yeah yeah yep so who's the worst oh man i don't know i don't know <laughs> let's just say i could be a lot better i'm, I'm impressed that you're actually thinking through names right there <laughs> yeah i'm trying to think of who i could say that wouldn't be too mad at me <laughs> you can back yeah i'll tell you if you've ever seen qa guys play a game they're they're the best uh qa and community is always the best because all they do is play the game 24 hours a day in esports so those three teams are the ones you don't want to mess with i can at least tell you that <laughs> okay all right well since uh since you just had to ask one of the harder questions, Trick, you want to ask a good one? Yes. So who's the player that you'd be most interested in playing duos with besides me? <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> let's see. I mean, I guess I, I, well, let's see, probably, I don't know, Wacky Jackie. I love watching the guy. He's just fun. He just seems, he's just a nice person. <laughs> Choco, Swagger. I mean, I love these. I love watching these guys. I'd play with any of them. And you, of course. <laughs> nice what a good save. yeah a there good you save. go all right well i think you you kind of just answered your your squad too so the last question was going to be you plus three other players and you kind of just named named your three i think with whack oh Jackie, yeah so Chaco and and swag right well here's a fun thing for you guys so on friday afternoons every other friday so friday afternoon being like new york time i guess four o'clock new york time we have this um like silly play with PUBG thing where a bunch of community people jump on and they they like beat us in PUBG. So, you know, they're, they're like, they're always really good. And we just, a lot of times we get creamed, but then we, we recruit Hawkins usually as well. Um, we actually have a lot of console players in our office, but we, we do tend to play on PC on play with PUBG. But anyway, so yes, there have been days where uh, we had <laughs> some of these pretty well-known streamers and, and also like Hawkins. And so, yeah, that's my best squad. Like, let's get Chaco, Wacky, Swagger, Hawkins all together. And let's just watch them like destroy everything. <laughs> that's that's pretty much it you survived automatic fire questions even though you switched your gun to single fire. That's okay. <laughs> good stuff i guess what i really want to say is just thanks for taking the time and, and coming on the show here we sincerely appreciate it and just a really cool scenario here i'm really happy that we're going to get to announce some cool stuff and yeah appreciate you coming on so yeah thank you so much for coming on and giving us this insider look you know as to how your different teams coordinate with each other, how they argue with each other over some of these big changes that everyone wants but doesn't know exactly what they want. 
it's it's really been awesome so thank you brian yeah thanks for having me on this has been a lot of fun you get and you know again we're big fans of you guys too the show is great and you know thanks for uh putting out you know such great content about the game and we love it as much as you do you don't know how much that means to us man so thank you <laughs> same man cool i think the last thing is just to let people know where to find you or maybe the best way to get in contact with you you mentioned twitter a lot so maybe that's it but let them know what your handle is or where you can be reached and where they can find you yeah so you can find me on twitter g-e-n-e-x-p which now you know means general exception not the much cooler idea that you came up with um if you're on reddit i'm on there too it's pubg underscore g-e-n-e-x-p and um yeah i think that's probably the best two places Awesome, man. Well, a sincere thank you. And guys, if you uh, if you like this episode, let us know. Our goal is to do more stuff like this. Make sure you let Brian here. I, I always I call you Corrigan. Do a lot of people just call you Corrigan? Everyone calls me Corrigan. <laughs> okay, You're good. 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 Okay. I'm switching. So if you... <laughs> If you're uh, if you're a fan of what we did here with Corrigan, let us know. Let him know that you heard him here. And uh, we're, we're excited for your feedback. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much. Wow, that was an insane conversation. Did that just happen? Yes, sir, that did just happen. <laughs> oh my God, dude. Uh, man, who would have thought that winner could have ever gone from these humble beginnings of two roommates recording a podcast about a game they just couldn't stop talking about to over 65 episodes and a chance to talk to a PUBG studio director? It's just insane. The people behind the mic may have changed somewhere along the line, but that winning spirit never went away because of the community. Before we get going here, we have one more big announcement. The Winner Winner PUBG Podcast is now a part of the PUBG Partnership Program. Let's go. (laughs) Yeah, dude, we're partners. Let's go, man. It's insane. This is going to be fun. It's awesome. We're honored and excited for the opportunity to further wrap the PUBG community as a whole with this show. Thank you to the entire PUBG team for believing in the work we're doing here. It's a labor of love for a game we love, which I know you all can relate to. With that in mind, take our endless thanks for developing this game that's impacted so many people. We appreciate you, PUBG. While we're out giving thanks here, we owe our greatest thanks to all the passionate players in our community who've supported Winner Winner through every iteration, the highs and the lows. To the people who've been here since Robin Arjuna's earliest episodes, to those who stuck with us new hosts while we found our voices, and to those of you who just found us for this very episode, Your support means the world to us. To show our appreciation and commitment to our faithful winners, we're going to host uh, weekly customs with our first coming this weekend, Friday, July 19th. Expect to see a flyer out there soon. And either way, we're hoping we can bring a lot of people out there for some fun games, most with three times loot and at least one wall of death. Come join us in the Discord to find us during those custom nights, and join the Discord if you're just a player on any platform that wants to find some teammates, ask questions, and mix it up with the rest of our community, chatting about PC parts, strategies, or ranting about the latest frustrating game in our PUBG rant section. Listen, it's cathartic to scream it out in all caps. <laughs> yes, it is. But man, I, I'm having a hard time expressing my thoughts around the PUBG partnership, so I just wanted to thank the community just one more time you guys are amazing and just a special thanks to robin and arjuna for kicking this whole thing off and trusting us to continue on so folks if you like what you heard here and what we're doing and believe me we have a ton more to come 
You can support us on Patreon. Even a dollar is amazing. But if you don't have spare cash, telling your friends about the podcast is huge. Telling your squad mates about the podcast is amazing. Or just dropping us a review on iTunes goes a very, very long way. So friends, that is all that we have for you. Kev, tell these wonderful people where they can find you. As always, you can find me on Twitter. You can find me in the Discord. And you can find me on Twitch. I'll try to actually get on at least once a week now uh, for those Friday customs. And maybe some other time during the weekend or something. We'll take it slow, but I will be on now. And as for me, once again, my name is Mike, but on the internet, I am MTB Trigger. Best place to find me is on Twitch, where I mostly play PUBG, but I'm also very active on Discord and getting up to speed on Twitter. So come say hey. Make sure that you tell Corrigan you listen to the podcast. Go find him on Twitter. Catch you all later. Winner, winner. <laughs>